This is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time for the Steak for Breakfast podcast. It's Tuesday, August 23rd, 2022, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast. This is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior America. Steak for breakfast. So stand by. I don't know why I act the way I do. This episode of the podcast is brought to you, as always, by Man Rubs. Rubs, barbecue tools, blow torches, t-shirts, coffee cups, and all-around barbecue-related gear for you to make barbecue great again can be found at manrubs.com and on Instagram, manrubs. Use the code STEAK15 for 15% off. Also brought to you by Stay Ready Gear. They're at stayreadygear.com and on Instagram, stayreadygearusa. Holsters, custom Kydex, mag carriers, tourniquet carriers, on and off duty gear, hot melted plastic made just for you. Need something custom? They got you covered. Use the code STEAK for 5% off. Don't get ready. Stay ready. The Pillow King of Minnesota and the apparatus known as the MyPillow family. Erlen Dell version 2s dropped. Got them on Friday. Extremely comfortable. Probably the most comfortable slippers I've ever owned. Damn! You enter promo code STEAK at checkout. You're going to get big, big savings on those. I think they're going for $39.99 right now. In addition, my coffee at the market, making everybody's mornings great again. In a promo code steak there, you get 25% off. MyPillow.com forward slash steak. For slipper related items and MyStore.com forward slash steak for anything breakfast related. Or you can talk to a qualified pillow representative, 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear, the world's most technologically advanced in-studio recording equipment can be found at Odyssey. Whether you're gaming, potting, want to be a cowboy? Oh, oh, oh. Get those ear needs taken care of and done upright. Odyssey.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms has been servicing Southern California for over a decade. He's the licensed FFL. If you're into the tradesies and don't live in Canada, he's got a five-star rating. New to redesign, easy-to-use website is westcoastsurvivalarms.com. He's on Facebook Messenger and via the telephone. 619-870-6992. Steak for breakfast backs the blue. We love our first responders, and they're always working hard. While they're off duty, they're probably wearing gear from Mediocre Medic. Sweatshirts, t-shirts, flip-flops, fanny packs, and more. Stickers and patches for while they're on the job. Also got a pretty fire IG. MediocreMedic.com is the website. And last but certainly not least, the gold standard of tactical flair. Home of the Zero Fucks Duck. Can be found at Dumpbox. Still don't know? Go ask Mark Joe Friday. Dumpbox.us is the website. They're on Facebook. They're on Instagram. Friends, don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at Steak for Podcast Breakfast or on the website at SteakforBreakfastPodcast.com. There you'll find a link tree that will take you to all our social medias, the website, our newest Substack, Telegram channel, and more. On that note, and to all our friends joining us today in the Patriot Podcast Network via the Roku app, from the Twitterverse, Instagram, Discord, Frank Speech, and now via our verified account on Truth Social. Welcome, Tuesday edition, Steak for Breakfast Podcast, episode 163. I'm Roan. Noah's here. Yo. Antoinette's loading up. Guys, we got a great show. Ton of news developing up over the weekend. We're going to even talk about it with two of our great friends today, Congressman Devin Nunes and Mr. Patriot himself, Cash Patel. But before we get into any of that, let's jump into the news. 
But first, let's hear from Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell is the head Republican in the Senate. He's not there because everyone likes him. McConnell has no close friends. He's loved by no one. But he's considered very smart. He is a master tactician, as the dummies who cover politics for Politico and the Washington Post are always telling us. In Washington, people are very much afraid of Mitch McConnell. Cross him and he will hurt you. And they listen carefully to his political analysis because that's what he spent his life doing. That's the only thing he spent his life doing. So here's what Mitch McConnell says the problem is. Watch. There's a, probably a greater likelihood the House flips than the Senate. Senate races are just different. They're statewide. Uh, candidate quality has a lot to do with the outcome. So there's the re head Republican in the Senate conceding three months out that Republicans are probably not going to retake the Senate. Now, why is that? Well, the answer, of course, was in the final line. You just heard some of the candidates are mediocre. That's Mitch McConnell's excuse. And there's some truth in that, obviously. Some of them are mediocre. But compared to what? Mediocre in the Congress? Well, let's see. Dianne Feinstein hasn't spoken a coherent sentence in years, hasn't had trouble getting reelected. Eric Swallow had sex with a Chinese spy. He's still there. So mediocre people get elected to office. Lots and lots and lots of them do. Every cycle. So what McConnell's analysis really is, of course, is buck passing. Don't blame me. I didn't choose these people. All right. But they're still the nominees. So if you want to save the country and move in a different direction, yes, using some mediocre people to do it, what are you going to do? No hint of what you might do for Mitch McConnell other than just accept the inevitable. Now, the truth is, it's entirely possible Mitch McConnell doesn't want to retake the Senate because then you'd have to run things. And there's one thing Republican leaders dislike, it's running anything. Much easier to complain on Fox News. But if you actually wanted to win, what would you do? Well, here's an idea, just kind of out of nowhere, just spitballing here. How about you run on issues that voters care about? That might work, even for a mediocre candidate. So let's say, again, just for the sake of argument, that you ran a campaign on illegal immigration and crime. Now, these are two issues that didn't just arise out of nowhere. They're the product of policies the Democratic Party put in. They were intentional outcomes. We have millions of people coming in illegally, and we have a lot more murders than we had two years ago. These two issues, immigration and crime, don't simply annoy voters, though they very much do. These two issues threaten the existence of our society. So maybe you should run on that. Mm. Mm. That's part of... Uh... Tucker's cold open from Monday. Uh -oh. We got ahead of this narrative last week. We ended our Friday edition of the show with a clip from Stephen Miller, who had heard the day before Mitch McConnell was down in Kentucky dooming to a bunch of his, I'm air quoting now, conservative constituents. Mm. And, uh, yeah, so that's kind of the narrative. Listen, that clip of Mitch McConnell, by the time we're done with our cold open today, you're going to be sick of hearing that thing. But it's something that should be burned in the front of your brains right now because we're in crunch time, two months left. It's voting day in both New York and Florida. There's a, there's a Senate runoff in Oklahoma as well. So we will have an overwhelming majority of the chessboard set piecewise um, by sometime late tonight, hopefully. So there's a lot of great America First candidates running in, in both of those states. And then in the, there's a Trump-endorsed senatorial candidate in the Oklahoma special election. Make sure you get out. If you're listening to the show today in your car on the way home and you live in New York, Florida, or Oklahoma, and vote. But Mitch McConnell, 
if you missed it, and don't worry, you're going to hear it several more times, candidate quality, to where Tucker alluded to, there's there's a lot of bad candidates who currently sit in Congress. That's part of what bringing in all of these new Senate candidates was, was you know, Donald Trump's method behind the madness. And uh, this is kind of where we sit. We've got some ones that are pretty cutting edge. Uh, we have, you know, in-state royalties in places like Nevada, Adam Lexalt, tech billionaires like Blake Masters, who seems to be really dialed into issues regarding the military and the southern border. Obviously, he knows a lot about the economy. Um, you know, you've got really familiar faces in places like Georgia and Pennsylvania with Herschel Walker and Dr. Oz. And uh, J.D. Vance, the reform never-Trumper, who's now pretty MAGA, won the nomination in Ohio. Nice. Yeah, and, and, and so on and so forth. Um, we do really need our base to rally around these candidates as we are. But it's honestly going to take people like Mitch McConnell to get on board a little bit, and it's going to be yet to be determined on whether or not he's willing to do that. Of course, after this narrative leaked out from his luncheon last Thursday, a lot of people in the progressive media uh, you know, ran with it and kind of took off because what this narrative does is it's, it's counter to what Donald Trump wants. So, of course, they're all going to you know, embrace it so much. And... Uh, I, I just think, like they did with the passport thing two weeks ago in regards to Mar-a-Lago, they, they created a fake narrative by the end of this piece you'll see is not entirely true, even though the rhetoric from Mitch McConnell is. Let's hear MSNBC get all giddy about it over the weekend. The House flips to the Senate. Senate races are just different. They're statewide. Uh, candidate quality has a lot to do with the outcome. Sahil, did did I just hear Mitch McConnell trying to manage expectations? What do you make of what he said? Well, Chris, I think managing expectations is a kind way to put it. That sounded to me like Mitch McConnell throwing a bit of shade at Republican candidates who are struggling perhaps more than they need to be uh, in their states in a year like this. Now, he didn't name names, but it's not difficult to decipher who he's talking about. Let's start with a quartet of Trump-endorsed Republican candidates in crucial swing states who are first-time candidates, all of whom are struggling. There's Blake Masters uh, in Arizona who trails Mark Kelly. There is uh, Mehmet Oz in Pennsylvania, who, as you just pointed out, is struggling mightily against uh, the Democrat John Fetterman. There's J.D. Vance in Ohio, a Republican-leaning state who has not put that race away. Uh, and there's Herschel Walker in Georgia, who uh, many Republicans have long had concerns about regarding his past. Now, making matters worse, all of these candidates, or rather three of them, had ugly Republican primaries where they were somewhat bloodied up while their Democratic opponents pretty much ran uh, unchallenged, coasted to the nominations and have large uh, sums of money to spend. Then in Wisconsin, there's multi-term incumbent Ron Johnson, who is struggling seen by uh, voters in his home state as more extreme than his Democratic opponent Mandela Barnes, according to a Fox News poll. Republicans can't be losing incumbents if they want any shot at winning the Senate this fall. Now, McConnell did not mention some of the other factors that are working against his party, starting with the Supreme Court overturning Roe versus Wade, a decision that McConnell had quite a bit to do with in elevating the conservative justices responsible for that. There's the fact that gas prices have been declining, uh, which is helping uh, Democrats uh, as the party in power somewhat. Uh, just a few months ago, Democrats were stuck in legislative quicksand, couldn't seem to pass anything, and now they're on a hot streak, most recently with passage of the Inflation Reduction Act, which has uh, messages that they can use to appeal to swing voters as well as uh, the Democratic base. So you put all that together, and the signs of a red wave that looked very good just a few months ago appear to be receding, and McConnell seems to be giving voice to that, Chris. 
I don't see a lot of the things he mentioned as factual. Uh, raising gas prices $3 and having them come down 35 cents is not a reduction in gas price. It's, no. it's paying less for the inflated gas prices. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, anybody who's actually paying at the pump, that makes sense to them. But these people <laughs> don't live in the real world. They're in yeah. fantasy land. Yeah, they sure don't. And I don't think uh, you talk about the bloody primaries. The fact of the matter is, is that Republican turnout in, in all of those battleground states was considerably larger than any of the Democrats, even if they ran unopposed. So I think the only job that the Republicans have to worry about right now is unifying the rest of those candidates on the ticket on the Republican side um, to get them while appearing to walk away Democrats and, and independents in the next two months. I don't really feel like that whole narrative of like the red, red wave is beginning to recede. Um, I, I just don't see it. But when you make inflammatory comments like that as a direct knock at President Trump, and that's pretty much all it was, you, you run into the allowing the legacy media, especially on the progressive side, to create fake stories like mm-hmm. they do with just about everything else. Um, Antoinette, you live in one of these battleground states. Adam Lexalt over the last week, and we're going to tease towards the end of the segment because we'll talk about all the candidates because there was a lot of eye-opening news about most of them over the weekend. It seems that he's surging in the poll again where maybe right after the primaries he was down as many as like six points. It's a Breitbart article yesterday puts him at 2.5 percentage points ahead of, oh, of, the, uh, yeah, of the Democrat yeah. challenger right now. So yeah, no, no, That's what I'm hearing out here. I haven't really um, kept up with it all since I've been moving, but I'm hearing that from people that are paying attention uh, in Nevada and it looks good for him. And I'm really excited about it. I mean, when you talk about just some of the main issues that are affecting the country right now, Nevada for the first time is in the top five for unemployment, crime Uh rates, the fentanyl crisis, gas prices, and uh, you know, the, the human trafficking component of the border crisis. Yeah. That's like, on another level as well it's been wild just to see like i've been here on and off for like six years now and just in the last year and a half things have rapid rapidly changed and not for the better it's been kind of crazy to to witness um i'm just hoping that it gets better yeah and i mean it was revealed this weekend via city council Alex Steining. Oh. Nevada is the home to the only 24-hour drive-up booster shot centers. That. Oh, I didn't even know that myself. <laughs> so Noah's hyped. Oh, shit. Oh, man. You, you know what? I would drive past all the testing sites. No one was ever there. Ever. Empty. I was uh, like, what the hell are they doing? Months I think, I think this was a reference to uh, him seeing people uh, on the side of the road. Or in a dark alley, uh, administering COVID, oh. COVID boosters themselves. Oh, stop. <laughs> I, thought, I, I don't know if you guys saw, but Alex Stein. And Those Port- ones are busy, but, you know, the actual real ones, not so much. Stein, yeah. Stein and Portnoy got into it yesterday. Yeah? Really, really bad on, on Twitter. And then. Yeah, it seems like oh, Alex Stein. Like a lefty lately. I, I love Alex Stein, but some of those videos, I'm just like, oh my God. Like, yeah. How are people not. Did like, you see, did you like see the, the, pe- <laughs> the trans getaway one he did over the weekend where he's like in the, the mud baths? These, like the, the looks on, 
the people's faces that are sitting in these like council meetings or whatever. It's just like, and then like some of them know who he is now. And like, he's like, ah, oh, don't roll your eyes at me. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like some of these videos, I'm just like, Oh my God. Like I would be, I would be beat red and just tears rolling down my face. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty, it was pretty good back and forth between, between him and Portnoy last night. And I think Alex came out. What was the, what was the deal? Barstool sports shared, uh, when he did, you know, Alex Steinbaum, the Las Vegas City Council last week. Yeah. And they basically captioned it like, this is every single male in their 30s, and I'm paraphrasing, after a weekend in Vegas, because he starts out, like, fully dressed and ends in, like, some slacks and no <laughs> shirt on. And uh, Nice. Yeah, so, but then I guess, you know. I mean, it's like 108 degrees, so. <laughs> yeah, once they realized he was a conservative influencer, Portnoy went out and had it taken down, and then. Alex, like, screenshotted the original tweet and said, like, oh, okay, Barstool thinks it's funny, but Portnoy won't keep it. And they went, like, back and forth. They were, like, private messaging each other on, I guess, Facebook Messenger and stuff like that. So it's one of those things It's not really newsworthy. I just thought it was funny. Wait, so they were posting, like, screenshots of their private messages? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's a bold move. Sure is, but, I mean, again, it's Alex Stein. That's that's pretty much what yeah. his thing is. That bold moves. MSNBC would stay in the same thread with the same annoying commentator. Different show, though, uh, talking about this. And uh, we're going we're gonna to hear it again and probably that Mitch McConnell clip again as well. New comments today just in from Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, the Senate's top Republican, suggesting in public on camera that his party, he thinks, will probably stay in the minority after the midterms. Watch. I think. I think the... the there's a, probably a greater likelihood the House flips than the Senate. Senate races are just different. They're statewide. Uh, candidate quality has a lot to do with the outcome. Those new comments coming as some of his allies are making some changes in their election strategy in key Senate races across the country. One group aligned with McConnell. We've learned pumping $28 million into Ohio to prop up J.D. Vance there. I want to bring in NBC News senior national political reporter Sahil Kapoor on Capitol Hill. And Sahil, in some ways, McConnell is acknowledging, I think, what many people have observed here. You look at Cook Political Report that has just shifted its ratings for Senate races in Pennsylvania, Colorado and Utah, uh, saying those races are maybe a little less likely to go Republican. Obviously, Utah is still likely Republican. Um, but what's interesting, and I think what caught a lot of people's attention, is, is McConnell's reference to candidate quality, Sahil. That's right, Hallie. This shows a real apprehension on the part of Mitch McConnell that despite the historically favorable political environment for Republicans, they might fall short of capturing a Senate majority this year as a result of candidates. Now, McConnell picks his words very carefully. He would not have used that phrase if he didn't have some concerns on that front. And while he didn't name names, it's not difficult to guess who he might be talking about. In Pennsylvania, the Republican nominee, the Trump-endorsed uh, Dr. Oz, has been really struggling against John Fetterman. That race was downgraded for Republicans uh, by the Cook Political Report uh, moved to lean Democrat, which is remarkable for such a swing state and open year. Oz is keep, you know, he, he keeps getting dunked on. Uh, but for his ties to New Jersey, he spent the last few days uh, having to talk more about this odd video regarding crudite that he put out in Ohio. McConnell allies spending $28 million to prop up J.D. Vance. That state should be a layup for Republicans in a year like this. Remember, Donald Trump won it by eight points in 2020, even though he lost the country overall by four and a half points. There 
other uh, races, uh, Senate races where Republicans have nominated untested first-time candidates, like in Georgia and Arizona, states like New Hampshire, where they did not get their prize recruit. You can add Arizona to that list. They did not get uh, the governor of that state they wanted. So uh, this is, you know, McConnell having a little bit of deja vu from 2010 and 2012, Hallie, when Republicans had a good shot at winning control of the Senate both years, but nominated a slate of unelectable extreme candidates like Todd Akin, Richard Murdoch, uh, Christine O'Donnell, that uh, in those two cycles and ultimately ended up falling short. Now, all of that said, McConnell is not giving up hope for this. It sounded like he's managing expectations, lowering uh, expectations that Republicans will ultimately get there, saying that uh, Democrats will either be up slightly in the end or Republicans will be up slightly. It's very different than the way he talked about 2014 when he was extremely bullish, rightfully so, uh, after Republicans got the candidates they want and swept that year, Hallie. You know, greed is a huge component into this. Mm-hmm. We, we mm-hmm. don't have to lay out the Mitch McConnell backstory. Everybody knows his rise to fame, um, his wife with ties to the CCP and her father, uh, and how he made his millions, if not billions of dollars over the course of his political career. But the sole fact that in his last probably term as senator, I mean, just due to the fact that I don't see him running for re-election going into his 83rd year of life, but I've seen stranger things from some of these retards. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's already 83? He's 81 right now, so his his seat would be up in 2024. Okay. And uh, just for not doing what you're supposed to do and putting in the effort in regards to these midterm elections and being okay with continuing to hold the title of Senate Minority Leader just can't sit well with, with, with this MAGA base. And, and I really hope that this is a component of the galvanizing that's been happening uh, to this side over the last year, year and a half in regards to this. Because, you know, people like this, they're just completely out of control and blinded by, you know, how absolutely awful um, a job Mitch McConnell's done. You know, we, we've been harping on it for over a month now with the passing of the CHIP Acts, where 63 senators, so that means 13 Republicans, including himself, jumped on board uh, to pass an America last piece of legislation that was, you know, originally slated to cost $280 billion, with $200 billion of that being wasteful spending. And then the inflation. That's it? Yeah, the Inflation Non Reduction Act, though, which will get into the trillions. Um, you know, over the course of the decade, that's going to be a day one slam dunk EO repeal for Donald Trump, I think, in his next term in office. Yeah, it's got to be. Has to. I mean, how much damage is it going to do in the meantime, though? Well, for everyone that's wondering, by the time it goes through all the appropriations and, and through the offices that, you know, takes the bill and, and inserts it into law and where we're going to start seeing it, you'll be feeling it in the wallet by the holidays this year. So. Oh, perfect. That's really good timing. Yeah, can't wait. Because just, it, just in time for the next uh, communicable disease, too, probably. We'll get into that a little bit later. Fake news, Chuck Todd sat down with the uh, DCCC chair this weekend to talk about some of the Democrats' strategy heading into the midterm elections and whether or not he thought it was smart that in a lot of these primary races, now heading into the general election, should the Dems continue to use these are bad candidates as the centerpiece of the counter to what the Republicans are bringing to the table. I think it's definitely going to backfire in a lot of these major races. You have ones like Raphael Warnock and uh, 
John Fetterman in Georgia and Pennsylvania, these guys are ridiculously crazy socialists. Raphael Warnock's voted with Joe Biden 97% of the time, and John Fetterman has told his constituents he will be to the left of Bernie Sanders when he gets into the Senate. And he's talking about... Left of Bernie. Uh, yes. Let's say that again. Left of Bernie Sanders. Like completely ending the energy sector in Pennsylvania um, and just some of the some of the radical things. Uh, There's a lot of jobs in the energy sector in that part of the country too. So that's like how is anybody going to vote for that fucking idiot? Ending fracking 100% like it is a thing of the past. Letting everyone out of jail. Mm. Public safe injection sites. Um, uh, that's on the public safe injection sites. I'm actually amazed that Newsom went against that here in California. For now. For now. Remember, it's an election year. Yeah. But it, it's one of those things where if you want Pennsylvania to look like Philadelphia, to where it's almost inhabitable right now uh, due to the homelessness, opioid epidemic, and spiking crime rates. Um, like, I know how downtown San Diego smells. Like <laughs> urine. A lot worse than it did 10 years ago. But, I mean, some of these other cities, like, make San Diego look like a fucking haven at this point. Mm-hmm. Frisco? I can't even imagine. I haven't been there in years. But the last time that I was there was, like, maybe five years ago. Yeah, well, in San Francisco, now every dog turd on the street has a needle sticking out of it. Oh, my poor. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's 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 wow. It's really funny to joke about, but when you have to yeah, step over it, yeah. Well, we saw what just happened in New York last week. Some guy walked out of a restaurant and while he's putting like his debit card back into his wallet after he paid. Some guy walking down the street sucker punched him from behind, broke every bone and in, in, in his face on impact site. The guy's still in a coma with a brain bleed. The guy was caught, arrested, and released. Career probation, like 14 felonies and probably 100 misdemeanors over the course of his adult life. The radical progressive George Soros-backed DA lowered the charge from attempted murder to, like, uh, whatever is under aggravated assault, and the guy was released within one day. Unbelievable. Like, Unbelievable. It, I, don't, I don't care where you stand on the political spectrum or who you voted for or how much you hate the orange guy. Or whatever. You have to think that these fucking people are just trying to destroy the country. Mm -hmm. Like, what excuse do you have? Like, you can't even use the COVID bullshit anymore. Like, well, we can't keep these people in prison because they might get COVID. It's not even a thing. Like, you don't want to keep these people in prison. Explain it to me. Why? They're imprisoning people, and people are going to jail because... I mean, there's a lot of people in jail for... uh, They were releasing prisoners. For weed possession still. I mean... And we're just going to let it, these other guys out, but not them? I believe there's like 400,000 people still in jail for marijuana-related charges. Now, if you were trafficking bales of marijuana, then, yeah, you probably might deserve to be there. But, like, you know, Nobody's some of these really. charges are not going to be high-end. Yeah. But like I was saying, if you want Pennsylvania to look like the rest of Philadelphia, you go out and not vote for Doug Mastriano and not vote for Dr. Oz. In November, because that's exactly what it's going to look like in a very short amount of time. Yeah, you got to rally behind who's going to fix the problem. Like, if, even if you don't like him, like if this guy's going to fix a problem, says he's going to fix a problem, has a track record of you know doing the right thing, then yeah. And that's the thing. A lot of people make the cases against these candidates and say you know they're unattractive. The Dr. Oz's and the Herschel Walkers. Doc, Dr. Oz has got no voting record, and, and neither does Herschel Walker. But Raphael Warnock and John Fetterman both do. And uh, when you go out and put the actual black and white on the table, 
and get. Are there to people see... that are saying Herschel Walker's not an attractive man? Herschel Walker is an extremely attractive man. <laughs> Beautiful guy. Who's yeah. the, who the hell is saying that? <laughs> I think a, a different form of attractive. Mitch McConnell, apparently. But let's hear Chuck Dodd talk to uh, Sean Patrick Maloney about the Dem strategy for pumping up America First Trump endorsed candidates. They call it a little something different. I'm sure you'll be able to pick it up. Speaking of power, uh, there's a lot of people who thought that you uh, oversaw a very cynical ploy in order to help uh, um, uh, a Trump-backed opponent in the Peter Meyer district in Michigan. Um, after, look, you see the result. You got the candidate that you wanted, apparently, there. But apparently. you put party over country, did you not? And about is John that something Gibbs. you're comfortable with? Absolutely not uh, did we put party over country. The moral imperative right now, Mr. Todd, is to keep the dangerous MAGA Republicans who voted to overturn our election Man. out of power. There were 139 of them who voted against the results of the election back in January 2021. So this danger didn't start with the primary in Michigan. But let's talk about that. We believe that by by running a commercial that called our opponent an extremist who was too conservative for Western Michigan, we teed up the choice in the fall. We've got a strong pro-choice Democrat there named Hillary Skolton. I hope people will support her. We're going to win that seat. The big loser in the Michigan primary was Kevin McCarthy and this MAGA crowd, mm. and they know it. it, it look, when, you, when, you're, when you're on the Democratic side of the aisle saying, hey, Republicans need to stand up to their own party and put country over party, and someone like Peter Meyer does, and voted to impeach the president, <laughs> put his political career on the line. To, to Look, I understand the, the strategic decision that you make, but you've seen our poll. There's a reason everybody hates both political parties. It's cynical moves like this, is it not? Chuck, my job is to, is to win elections for the Democrats, and I take that seriously because the moral imperative is keeping the gavel out of the hands of Kevin McCarthy, who would have overturned the results of the election. Again, this danger didn't start with Mr. Gibbs. I understand that there are difficult moral questions, philosophical questions about tactics. That's always true in politics. You better believe it. But yeah. here's the deal. We are more likely to win that seat. John Gibbs is a weak opponent. He's mm. an extremist with a vicious right. anti-choice record. Wait, he can't string a, a, a set of policies together that will make sense for Western Michigan. We're going to win that seat. And we believe that by keeping those dangerous right. people out of power, we address the larger moral imperative. And that's our job. Wow. Vicious anti-choice is now what they're calling pro-life. Mm. I mean, branding. I don't know if it's strong enough for a bumper sticker, but... <laughs> well, what did what did John Gibbs say? Like Black Lives Matter, vote John Gibbs. Yeah, <laughs> he's gonna put his, his face on a T-shirt. Uh, amazing. Oh yeah. Again, it's funny that people are starting to talk about him. So he is the five language speaking, Harvard educated, Christian missioned, former assistant secretary of HUD in the Trump administration. Worked hand in hand with not only President Trump but Dr. Ben Carson, who went out against what. Chuck Todd makes everybody seem was a popular Republican. We all know that's not true. Peter Meyer is a piece of shit. He was a never-Trumper, and he voted for a lot of other bad stuff in addition to impeachment. And even though the race was kind of cloches, for, an for a Republican incumbent that, like, had won two elections and was supposedly popular, he got his ass kicked. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And to put somebody of that magnitude resume-wise and basically call him a garbage candidate is just blows my mind it's like 
not only was Chuck Todd trying to say, like, your strategy's bad, he's trying to, like, serve it up to him, like, are you sure you really want to refer to these candidates as what you're referring to them to? And that's when the guy went down, you know, calling them pro-life and, and extremists uh, and, and election deniers. <laughs> you keep using these words. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. But, it, you know, it's, it's, it's just funny how the ones that really trigger them seem to be, like, the strongest ones that are running uh, campaigns that are getting sucked into, like, the national circuit. We'll also talk about, like, the Joe Kents. I think after today we'll be referring to Anthony Sabatini. Listen, the national media has already done a couple hit points, but they're really waiting to dig their fangs into that guy uh, because he, he will – and I'm telling you, when you line up the MTGs, Matt Gates, Boberts, Dr. Gosars, Anthony Sabatini is going to be a little bit to the right of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's called for, like – federally criminalizing things that, you know, Republicans just want to slow down or maybe, like, put a moratorium on. And Anthony Sabatini is going to be bringing a lot of great ideas, I hope, after today's big election down in Florida. But, yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of the thing right now that they're doing. So not only are they sabotaging races on the Democrat side by worrying about money and where it's going in regards to their own candidates, you have the the Democrat um, committee campaign commissioner out there making like basically hype videos that are being shown across these battleground states that are highlighting some of the America first ways that, you know, Donald Trump probably went and picked these candidates. I thought it was pretty, uh, I thought that was a really interesting piece and very telling. Um, Boomer Sweat Sean Hannity had a couple clips that I thought were interesting-ish over the course of the past few days in regards to this Mitch McConnell narrative. Um, one of them is focused on the race in Pennsylvania, which it seems like is going to be one of the major talking points. He was essentially an Oz stan in the primary, and, uh, you know, it looks like he's going to continue that. But let's hear a, a brief clip of him talking about, you know, the, the nonproductive career of John Fetterman. Chucky Schumer complaining about candidate quality in Pennsylvania. Uh, how about you get out there, Mitch, and fight for your team? Uh, what's your agenda, Mitch? Or would you rather just sit by and watch helplessly as Democrats lie to your face, pass another $500 billion green energy boondoggle next year? Or is it maybe Mitch McConnell hates Donald Trump so much that he would probably rather see Trump-endorsed candidates lose because yes. he thinks that might hurt Donald Trump? His time as a leader needs to come to an end. Now, if Republicans fail to take the majority, we will get even more taxes. We will get more. You know, uh, it doesn't hurt Donald Trump. It only hurts the people that lives in those states. Mm-hmm. I think that's the, the real centerpiece of what we need to focus on. And at the end of the day, you can have all these big influencers out there who have, like, doomed on Oz and not really gotten behind great candidates like Herschel Walker, Jack Posobiec, we're talking about you, Homelander face. Um, you know, it's just... You're only going to hurt the people in Pennsylvania with your millions of follower reach and your garbage narrative in regards to some of these races. And, uh, you know, we'd still have good people like Mass and Cawthorn, you know, actively on the team instead of having to worry about waiting until 2025 to work in the next Trump administration uh, sitting in a house seat. And, And that's just the, you know, way it is. So... The other clip I pulled, he had a, he had a panel on talking about some of these things um, that we've been going through. And, you know, a big part of it, too, is the Biden effect on these races, which is what Mitch McConnell's polarizing comments and all the other distractions, the FBI raid on Mar-a-Lago and stuff like that, take out of this. Like, how is the Inflation Reduction Act going to start crushing families this fall? 
Um, what are these soaring gas prices that have come down a little bit but are still like dollars over what they were during the Trump administration crushing people? You mean up? finish crushing the families? And that's what it is. It's, it's, a, yeah. it's the fucking finishing move for Mortal Kombat. That's what it is. <laughs> it's like, hey, if your small business survived, if you're still able to put food on your table, if your kids are still able to go do all the things that keep them from ending up as mindless zombies, then guess what? But I'll, wait, there's more. I'd buy that for a dollar. Yeah, there you go. That's all you're going to have left. And, and it, it is going to be the Biden effect. Um, we'll talk about it more in our news, too, as we're going to kind of go through you know, there's not really too much news coming out of the White House because Joe Biden's on his second 10-day vacation of the week as he only came back to sign the Inflation Non-Reduction Act. But uh, let's stick it here and, and hear Sean Hannity having this panel on. It's Charlie Hurt and some guy with a bow tie who looks like early 2000s Tucker. Nice. Um, yeah, talking about the Biden effect on some of these big Senate races. When you look specifically at the Senate, what do you think the Republicans' odds are? Well, I think they're a little better than, than what the... The oddsmakers are saying because what people aren't really doing is they're not looking at these polls and the percentage of them that are undecided. We have a lot of people who are saying ah. undecided in these early polls, but if you dig in the cross tabs, you'll notice that these people are also saying very unfavorable or unfavorable about Biden. Well, I can assure you, if you're unfavorable or very unfavorable about Biden and you're saying undecided, you're not voting for Fetterman, you're not voting for Warnock, and so I, so that's a little bit of a misnomer. When you run with Joe Biden. It's like running with a house full of termites. You don't see it at first. You don't have to talk about it. But eventually, it's the only issue that's going to matter. It's actually a good analogy. Do you see a wave that many others are talking about? Because I refuse to go down the, this is going to be a wave election year. Uh, I always like to run elections and my mind think we're five points down. No, I think it's going to be a street fight down to the end, but I don't think anybody should be writing off the Republican candidates uh, just because they're down in the polls. This is very early in an election cycle, and we hadn't even gotten to Labor Day. And, you know, this is, this is typical Washington, D.C. fodder. Everybody wants to, to play the parlor games, but what really matters is what happens past uh, when we get past Labor Day and when these Republicans but come you're home. Gonna, because, you're going to have again, early voting in October. You'll have yeah, but the fact of the matter is, is like we haven't had our October surprises yet. And with all the bad stuff that we saw last month come out of the Biden administration, the disaster of a trip to the Middle East, the Oof. unilateral rogue trip to Taiwan from Nancy Pelosi, and then the signing of these two bills, which at the end of the day, he got passed. The Senate, especially on the Republican side, Mitch McConnell, he failed the party and allowed Joe Biden to take a victory lap. But then when everybody from both sides of the aisle started absolutely tearing these bills up, especially the Inflation Non-Reduction Act, where you have like people like Bernie Sanders coming out and saying like, like Dude, Bernie's not on board, you're fucking up. Because nobody likes your money better than Bernie. And he's like Fucking hell. Actually he's not gonna see too much of it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh this bill is actually not going to provide me with financial support. Thank you, Senator <laughs> Sanders. They had to do something to to kind of change the narrative. So now boom. FBI raid at Mar-a-Lago, combine that with Mitch McConnell goes out and makes some off-colored comment on the quality of the senatorial candidates, and now it's like, oh, Trump world is in disarray, this, that, and the other thing, blah, blah, blah. It, Donald Trump's failing. We're definitely going to get him, and, you know, all these bad things. fact of the matter is, on September 3rd, in Joe Biden's, well, one of his hometowns of Scranton, PA, <laughs> Donald Trump will be holding his Scranton Joe first general election cycle Save America rally. Nice. We're going to see Doug Mastriano, Dr. Oz. And it's not going to be to a parking lot full of Jeeps. Sure won't. And Jim Bognett, to name a few. Nope. But uh, 
that will be the first official clapback in the non-form of a quick call to Fox News or Fox Business or a true social post. You will hear the 45th president talk about what's going on in his mind and heart right now regarding all the situation. Mitch McConnell, no longer safe. The FBI, DOJ, you guys better find a bunker to hide in because you're going to be able to feel it all the way up there from Scranton. It's going to be Bitch McConnell. Sure will be. Old piece of crow. (laughs) (laughs) One of my favorite ones. So Bill Hemmer was also talking about this on fight. Man, it's bad. I I went through MSNBC and CNN on the weekends like I usually do. I had to sit through the CBS morning news show on Sunday because people need to hear it. I know. And and we need to, like, not skew the narrative but shape a complete picture of it because, you know, if they don't, well, number one, people might be watching these shows again, and that's literally what we don't want them to do. And then number two, they might only be hearing a portion of it, which gives them, you know, the, the false sense of security in regards to what's going on. Bill Hemmer thinks, and it's so in bad taste that it's like everybody's just trying to dunk on President Trump right now. So Fox News did this whole piece about how, like, the swinging of the majority of the Senate falls on the great state of Arizona, which wouldn't be in this situation in the fucking first place if Brett Baer didn't call it two hours before the polls closed in 2020. But that's neither here nor there um, because here we are and we are here. And it is now, which was... Just now. Space that brings us together on... And also apart. Yes. <laughs> Let's hear Bill <laughs> kind of give some stats on the upcoming midterm election. Here is how you feel about your Congress. Back in, uh, well, early 2021, Back in uh, the high point for job approval in Congress kind of hit the, the highest point. And ever since then, it just goes lower and lower to where we are right now. Stands about 15, 16 uh, percent, which doesn't reflect well. Uh, for what's happening in Washington, D.C. On the Senate side, it's going to be really a, uh, a center of attention come election night. Uh, remember, you just got about a third up right now, okay? So Democrats have 36, but there's no election. Republicans have 29. We think Republicans have a solid 15 seats. Two are likely, three are lean. This is where the action is, Dana. On election night, five toss-up states, we felt the same way many, many months ago. Arizona, Georgia, Pennsylvania, Nevada, New Hampshire are legitimate toss-ups. Maybe it changes over the coming weeks or coming months after Labor Day, and the focus goes a little more for Americans thinking about November. But right now, that's where we've got the Senate. So they've called it, he said, basically 49 shoe-ins with two toss-ups and and three leans, which is the estimate that between 53 and 54 seats total. Um, Connecticut's now in play. New Hampshire's now in play. I think we're going to defend a lot of our seats. Ron Johnson's not going to lose re-election. Ted Budd's going to win by 80% in North Carolina. But these five battleground states, these big ones, Vance, Oz, Walker, Lexalt, Masters, absolutely have. If we can get these guys over the finish line with the same blueprint that we've been using for the last year now, which started with Virginia and, and ended with Arizona in the primaries, in regards to day of in-person voting, it's the matrix breaker. Mm-hmm. And uh, in all of those states, there's no reason why we shouldn't be doing that. So Mitch McConnell did, in fact, continue to go throughout the weekend. And you know what happens. He gets really defensive when you start calling him out for stuff. So he made these comments on Thursday. Stephen Miller ran with it on Tucker on Friday. You had, you know, MSDNC, fake news, CNN, uh CBS all shitting on him all weekend. So, of course, on Sunday he's out. 
And what does he do? He deflects like he didn't say anything wrong, and it's all kind of speculative, and they took his comments out of context. But, of course, he has to rope the 45th president into it. No, you'll never believe what he said. Listen to this bad bear. You saw uh, between the November 3rd and January 20th uh, changing of one administration for another. There, there were those who were trying to prevent the orderly transfer of power for the first time in American history. That, that was not good. It was thwarted. Mm. Thwarted. thwarted. Mm-hmm. One of my favorites. Mm. So after those two... I think I need a sound bite of unwrapping a Werther's original, and I'm just going to play that every single time he talks. I like it. Mm. I'm looking for a rapper, but we keep a pretty clean ship in here. Didn't take too long for Donald Trump to respond. On Monday, he started off his usual morning of probably avocado toast and shit posting um, with this truth. Why do Republican senators allow a broken down political hack, Mitch McConnell, to openly disparage working Republican candidates for the United States Senate? This is such an affront honor to and to leadership. He should spend more time and money helping them get elected and less time helping his crazy wife and family get rich off of China. (laughs) Jesus, crazy wife. So I saw, I saw over the weekend as this narrative started to fall apart a little bit because I think a lot of people on both sides of the aisle were like, a lot of these candidates won by ridiculously large margins. And the Republican turnout was, was way bigger than the Democrats. Well, where are we getting all of these numbers from? So between 538, Trafalgar, Breitbart, Fox News, I lined them up for you right here. So according to Mitch McConnell, Bad quality of candidates currently in the percentage, and remember, all the polls are fake, but when they're putting out these numbers, you have to suspect they're probably up by even more. Moved into the winning column, Dr. Oz, Adam Lexalt, J.D. Vance. Moved within the margin of error, Herschel Walker and Kelly Chewbacca, who's going up against hundreds of millions of dollars from the establishment right now, um, fighting Lisa Murkowski up there in Alaska. And then still, according to them, trailing, but by not ridiculous margin, I believe it's like 1.2 percentage points right now is Blake Masters out in Arizona. But we also saw Super PACs directly connected to the office of the minority Senate leader right now, Mitch McConnell. $34 million is being pumped into Pennsylvania for Dr. Oz. And like we already heard on one of the segments, $28 million is being sent out to Ohio to support J.D. Vance. Blake Masters went on to, I think it was Big Head Charlie Kirk show the other day. I think Blake's going to be joining us first week of September. Um, I just got an email from his guy. I didn't, didn't see the date they confirmed. But we'll get back him back in here for his victory lap. He's, he's been doing the news cycle lately, basically encouraging the Republican establishment because that's who we kind of have to pair up with now to get in there and start funneling money into these campaigns, his campaigns. And even though he's in some way, shape, or form backed by Peter Thiel, you can only legitimately pour so much money in before they start looking into, you know, the campaign finance aspect of it. So it'd be good to start coming from these, you know, I know there's a lot of people, I got messages yesterday from the Lookout America guys. They're going to come back on and give us an update on some of the election integrity stuff they're working on through all the states they're going and uh, helping people be poll workers and stuff. But it's like, yeah, we want to talk about all, all the races in the, in the in the House and Senate and how, you know, we can't vote for anybody who's connected to any kind of pack. And I was like, hard stop. I said, listen. That's your guys' job to bitch about. I get it, but it's not ours anymore. That stuff, you want to weed it out during primary election season, go balls out to do it because I would much rather have people who aren't connected to any kind of big money 
but we're in general election now. We are encouraging everyone who's Trump endorsed, that's America first, and as far away from the establishment as possible to get out there and vote for them in these races. But we are by no way, shape, or form going to encourage people not to uh, vote for people who are connected PACs in the general election because that's just not the way to think. Mm. The way to think is to win back the House with a considerable margin, get as close as 250 or over as possible, and then get all these Senate candidates in there. Uh, good luck finding ones that aren't really connected to any kind of PACs besides, like, Rand Paul and maybe Matt Gates, um, because that's stuff you need to weed out in primary election season. And I don't think as a party, even, even this nationalist populist movement, we're not there yet. Uh, you saw several of the most expensive races in the history of the galaxy in this primary election season. You want to talk about everywhere from like the Michigan and Arizona governor's races to all these house seats and stuff like that, where Joe Ken had to go up against like, what do you say? A hundred million dollars in his primary election season. And a lot of that came from the Republican establishment unprecedented. Uh, we got to get behind these people. We got to get back in them in. And even though a lot of us send those five, 10, 15, 20, $50 donations to the campaigns, uh, sometimes it's just not enough. Uh, a lot of these races are going to have national attention shown on them, especially where there's, you know, an America first Trump endorsed outsider and a first time versus a seated congressperson. Uh, you're going to see the Democrat Party really try to shine the light on these people and make them seem like outsiders, fringe, election deniers, January Sixers, when that's just not the case. They're running on the issues right now, and the issues is getting this country back on the right track. And I think that's where sometimes we lose the focus in... Well, I mean, if, if you're opposed to getting the country back on track with the track that the country's on right now, you're retarded. Mm-hmm. And I don't have anything else to say except... Honest with you, I, I'm kind of retarded. And that should be you saying that to yourself because you are. Because how, how are you going to look at what's going on right now and be like, you know what? I really don't like these people just based on their politics, even if they have a message and intentions that are going to benefit this great nation. Mm-hmm. Like, fuck you. Come on. Get over mm-hmm. yourself. Vote blue no matter who. Fuck off. Like. Seriously? Yeah, somebody... That's the dumbest mentality you could possibly have. I'm not going to vote red no matter who. Like, if you're a piece of shit and you aren't fucking towing the party... like, Or if you are towing the party line, but you're fake and you're actually going to vote against all the shit that we need to have happen, you're not going to get my fucking vote. You're not going to get past the primary. You're not going to get past the primary. Well, that's a Republican thing. What, sanity and fucking critical thinking? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, 100%. Well, you do have that twerking lady from Rhode Island. Remember her? <laughs> hey, everybody needs a hobby. There you go. Apparently hers is eating as well. Ugh. Oh, man. It's not a hobby. It's a way of life. Listen, general election in this time, pride is not the way to go. Being wrong about, we've, we've been wrong about a couple candidates. Yeah. But uh, we've been right on a couple either, you know, as well. Mike Collins, ride that one to the bank till the day we die. Yep. 75% smashed Vernon Jones and his... Ride that shit in the Peterbilt. Absolutely. Honk, honk. Um, <laughs> honk, honk. Isn't that, isn't that racist? Isn't that, a, isn't that the same as saying Hail Hitler? Is how that da- what they were saying? How dare... <laughs> or that was Canada. I don't know. How, Fucking retards. How dare they me. Uh, <laughs> how dare Zezer. We're not getting down that road. No? No, we're trying to wrap on a good talking point. <laughs> Fact of the matter is, we're going to keep an eye on this. It's going to be a developing story, but we're in crunch time. Two months now. Um, we got Labor Day in a little over a week. 
And that following Tuesday, everybody's going to hit the ground running. You're going to start seeing all of our favorites out there, the Cash Patels, the Rick Grinnells, um, you know, Donald Trump Jr., Kimberly Guilfoyle. And, of course, Donald Trump is going to start the second phase, the general election phase of his Save America rally circuit. We can really be talking about that and a little bit more right now as we're getting ready for two of our great friends. Audio is the key up. All right, jumping in with us today, we've got a stake-exclusive segment here, two of our favorite guests and great friends joining us together for the first time. Stop it. <laughs> the first, first one is a former congressman who now heads True Social. He led some of the greatest inquiries into the uh, corruption that happened during the Trump administration, ex- well, including Russiagate. Mm. And the other has more, well, his security clearances have security clearances. Mr. Devin Nunez, Cash Patel, thanks for joining us today on Steak for Breakfast. Great to be here with you guys again. Thanks for having us. Oh, it's our pleasure. You're probably going to regret this, but good luck. Oh, no. It takes I'm a lot to make us regret things. Steak. Oh, uh, let me go upstairs real quick. Yeah, there you go. I, I did bring a... Ooh, we got pork butt. Yeah, some, some pulled pork butt today. So that's, you know, Cash, he'd be, if he was there with you guys in person, he wouldn't be able to eat that, though. He doesn't eat meat. Ooh. I don't eat steak. I eat everything else. Okay. I don't eat beef. You guys got to go game on. You got to go moose or elk. Well, That's my wheelhouse. Or chicken. This interview's over. Yeah. Healthier anyway. <laughs> there you go. I yeah. definitely think we can handle that. Yeah, definitely. Congressman, how's everything going with you? How's uh, the updates going down at True Social, and what's news on your end? Yeah, I think since last time we spoke, we had that major update right around the 4th of July where we added the carousel at the top, for those yep. of you who are on True Social. So we expanded beyond just the timeline where we don't use an algorithm And then for people who want to go and check in on the people that they follow, we put a carousel at the top. So it's really easy to to follow the people that you interact with the most. And we're making improvements always to to that carousel. Uh, And then, of course, we're waiting on Google to approve us in the Play Store. You can now go to the Google Play Store and you can down you can pre-order the app. But we haven't been approved yet, but we're hopeful any day that the uh, Google gods will uh, bless us with their presence on the Google Play Store. So, so it sounds like the holdup is only on Google's end right now, and they're just kind of slow walking the release of the uh, app in the Android store. Is that correct? Well, you know, when you pray to the great Google gods, you know, they're <laughs> kind of like their own empire. You don't really know, right? So we're, you know, we answer all their questions, and we, you know, we, we feel like uh, we've got a great platform that – as you guys all know, um, you know, we're very family friendly. We don't want illegal content. We, you know, we, we try to keep the, you know, anything that gets too out of control in terms of, you know, the personal attacks and that sort of thing. Uh, we just don't censor for political purposes. Mm -hmm. So the idea, I mean, we, at one point we were being attacked by many of the crazy left-wing outlets who were attacking us just, you know, a few months ago saying, oh, my God, there's massive censorship there. They were accusing us of anybody that said anything about January 6th, that we were booting them off the platform. But then, of course, Governor Newsom, Gavin Newsom, came on the platform and he was on there. He's on there. No problem. And we haven't kicked him off. I think he wanted to be kicked off. But, you know, on one hand, they say we're super censors. And now they're saying, you know, that, oh, my God, there's all kinds of violence on True Social. And as you guys know, you're on there. Um, you know, we don't tolerate that type of stuff, and it's 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 a clean platform. Probably, I would argue, we're the cleanest platform in terms of both the, the content 
but also we don't have bot or spam accounts. We constantly have bots and spam accounts trying to get on the platform, but you know, we get rid of them quickly. So it's a real advantage we have that, you know, if you've got, I think, you know, you guys have uh, tens of thousands of followers and you're almost guaranteed that every single one of those are, you know, there's a real human behind those followers mm-hmm. that you guys have. Yeah. We talk about it all the time. It's, it's the actual engagement on so- social media. I'm still getting used to it. You know, usually I just post something. It's either, uh, you know, a link to our show or, or our latest Substack article, maybe just reposting some of the news and, you know, you put it on any other platform and it kind of just goes into the ether. But on True Social, it's like you see that not only is there people liking and sharing it, but they're also commenting. So you have to go in and, and kind of answer the call, which is something that we hadn't experienced in our almost four years of doing this. So, yeah, yeah. We're, we're really thankful for the platform and, uh, you know, all the things that's, that's coming with it. We know when it drops in the Android store, it's going to probably shoot right up to number one. And then we're going to have millions of more people joining us in there that, uh, you know, pr- maybe only use the desktop version now or are just waiting to get it on their phones and tablets. Well, you know, if you need any help on how to uh, promote yourself on social media, uh, you've got the master, the social media diva, Cash Patel. Uh, on the show. You can you can ask him. He's what a he's, segue. Damn, Cash, how's everything going on your end? Besides, well, obviously, divaing according to Devin, mm. and uh, you know, being the master of social media, you have made quite a presence on True Social, to say the least. But uh, what's going on in Cash World right now? Well, being a diva is extremely difficult and time consuming, and requires an entire <laughs> army of people to help you do it. Uh, so I'm failing across the board on that one. But other than that, I'm living the dream one day at a time, getting uh, fake news hit pieces by our buddies at the WAPO and uh, the other clown circus that's out there. Yeah. Same, same as always, just just as, as Devin has always said, well, we're back over the target since they're starting to hit us directly with attempted fake news pieces that they have to style as op-eds because they know what they're printing is bullshit. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. funny. If Cash got just so you guys know what he's talking about. He got uh, hit by his favorite. What's that fake news guy at the post? Who's been there? He's like eight thousand years old. He's Ignatius. been there forever. Ignatius. Oh yeah, Ignatius. Mm. Ignatius. He's some some opinion writer that supposedly has all these contacts in the DOJ and FBI. And of course, he's just a tool for them. He probably enjoys being their tool. Uh, but but yeah, they were. Uh, he he did a, a, a nice, a nasty uh, hit piece on Cash the other day. It was pretty nasty. And uh, don't worry, you know, we, we shared our latest Substack earlier this week, and it's now over 3,500 reads, uh, thanks to True Social. So, you know, the people who are writing op-eds for all those crappy papers, we're, we're actually organically and grassrootedly getting more people to read the narratives that we're putting out there than, you know, the fake news ones that they're putting out there. So it's pretty great to see, and uh, as we continue to make them less relevant in the news cycle, I think... Uh, you know, it's one of those things where at some point they're going to have to suck it up and get on board because, you know, things like True Social are allowing people to really get the message out there in, in a more broad and, and, you know, cutting edge form than we've ever had it since probably like 2015 on social media. Yeah. Well, Truth Social, it got me on social media because my bo- my former boss and my former former boss decided to create a company and then made me join it. Um, so I thought, why not take advantage and try and dominate the landscape. So I'm still lagging behind freaking Devin. I don't know why that is. I think there's like a bot program they instituted over there lately that won't let me catch him. But other than that, I think the platform's great and it truly is a free speech place. And I love the fact 
I've been inviting AOC on every day. Mm. Um, I guess I can't get through to her. Um, no, maybe she's too busy planning um, her next vacation with Nancy Pelosi. Ooh. But other than that, maybe we should get Pelosi. Devin, you know these people. Why don't you call Nancy and Schumer and Pelosi and the tribe or the squad or whatever the fuck they're called and get them <laughs> on Truth Social? Are, you know, sure I don't it. want you to be accused of just trying to get a date with AOC because oh, I know she we go. she did that last time on social media. That's not around. my speed, man. I mean, I'm, I, look, I live my life very simply. I like my women like I like my beer, blonde, simple, straight, easy. No big booty Latinas. <laughs> <laughs> Only on steak for breakfast. <laughs> Guys, I do, I do want to kind of jump into it. There's a lot of stuff going on in the news cycle lately. And, uh, you know, Cash, we saw yesterday uh, Donald Trump files that motion to insert a special master. There was a lot of people kind of wondering who that was on social media in regards to the uh, Biden-directed, DOJ-headed, and FBI-directed raid at Mar-a-Lago two weeks ago. And um, it's got everything from Fourth Amendment rights to executive privilege wrapped up into there. What do you think... Uh, is, is this move all about, and, and what can you tell our listenership that you think is going on in regards to the filing? Well, look, as a former national security prosecutor who actually brought these types of search warrants and, and, and prosecutions uh, when they were based in fact, and also as a public defender who challenged thousands of these search warrants, I think it's the right legal move from the president's camp because we have to challenge it at step one. But the important move is to get the underlying documentation. And that's what Devin and I focused on in Russiagate. And I've been telling people, and I think Devin's been telling people too, yeah. all roads start and end with Russiagate. Mm -hmm. They did this raid because it's an extension of the corruption in Russiagate. It's the same corrupt FBI agents, the same leadership that's back in place at DOJ from five, six years ago, however many years ago, is now running that place and the counterintelligence division there. And the only way we're going to find out the truth is you got to get a guy like Devin, and I've tried to convince him to go back to Congress, but he doesn't seem to want to do that. He likes the freedom of living in America. But we need, when we get the majority back, we need subpoenas to go out on day one for documents, for public testimony, and most importantly, what they will not comply. And when they don't, this is the one thing, uh, one of the most powerful tools of Congress. You fence their money and you take it. And as soon as you do that, and you have a Speaker of the House who's willing to do that, the next day, the document production will flood in like it did for us when we when we had to pull that trigger. And, and so I hope everybody starts contacting their congressman and tell them that's the that's the path forward to hold these people accountable. And you're gonna have to do the same thing with the likes of Fauci and his retirement, and all that nonsense. But Russiagate is where it's at for for this raid. And right now we're not going to see anything um, for at least the next four or five months in regards to that filing yesterday, you mean? Yeah, and in regards to the affidavit or the underlying documents, DOJ will do the same song and dance they did when Devin issued subpoenas. Oh, here, here's 10,000 pages of documents, 9,998 of them, which are redacted 100%. And then they'll go to the fake news media and say, we cooperated. Look, everything's out there for the world to see. And no one will read past the headline because they've been duped by the fake news mafia for so long. And it's not going to work. We can't have this redaction game. Every time Devin and I removed a redaction, we showed the government corruption. Their lies to a federal court, their doctoring of FBI documents, their altering of the actual evidence in play and in evidence of innocence. And I bet you we're going to find the same actors doing the same corrupt activities underlying this search warrant when we get to it. But it's going to be a fight. Yeah. 
Devin, now, does it surprise you, speaking of the same actors, uh, mm-hmm. to, to have seen somebody like Peter Schrock doing the uh, cable news circuit over the last couple of weeks, <laughs> kind of taking like, you know, a mini dunk fest on, on Trump world, uh, going out there and saying the FBI is great, nothing's wrong, there's no corruption, these are, you know, of course white wings conspiracy theories and things of that nature and and kind of you know just rubbing it in the face of all the patriots out there who support the president you as someone who sat on the uh you know inquiries who who dug you know all the way down into it uh you know in regards to the russiagate investigation it's got to be pretty well annoying at the at the least to see somebody like peter strzok going around giving talking points on the uh, integrity of the fbi well as it relates to struck himself i think you only have to look at the crazy things that he posts on Twitter recently. And I actually got something on true social. Somebody posted what was a screenshot of a struck tweet. And I thought to myself, Oh God, some, this is so crazy. It just, somebody doctored it. It was, it was funny because it was an accusation that remember when they took Trump's three passports and of course, conspiracy theories were going wild about why he had these passports. Well, there was a, there was a tweet from struck that said that his, he had to trade in, and I'm paraphrasing, but basically that didn't count his Russian passport uh, <laughs> visa that he would have to go and exchange that in Moscow or so, something along those lines. Well, I, I read that, it was late at night, and I thought to myself, oh, that's crazy. I mean, that's, that's you know, just somebody just made that up, right? It's like, I thought it was just a practical, just a practical joke. And, uh, and, and sure as hell, I found out the next day it was real. It was really a tweet that I put out, which is just incredible accusing the, look, they haven't, they have told the lie so many times to themselves about Trump and Republicans having connections to Russia. They mm-hmm. now believe their own lies. I mean, that's how, how crazy this world has become. And I would just add to what, what Cash said about really needing to have the underlying documents behind this whole, behind the raid is going to be so critical. And it's, you know, it, you really have to know who, who did this? And and I'm really beginning, I haven't really talked to Cash much about this, but as we begin to, as this begins to unravel, there's been some early reporting, and we never know because some of the reports can be wrong at first. But if it is true that some of the Mueller FBI guys that were recruited there under the Mueller uh, investigation into Trump Russia that, you know, which that investigation itself has to be fully investigated because those guys committed so many crimes because that was an investigation in search of a crime and they tried to make up new law. We had to, you know, our, our investigation was going simultaneously and they were hiding documents from us in Congress that later we knew they had that completely exonerated the president and, and, and implicated uh, all sorts of people within DOJ, Obama, Biden, White House uh, and, and the FBI. But now what's what's coming into focus is, and this is, I think, where, where people who are going to investigate this, both in the, the reporters, uh, the, the, the real investigative journalists, I should say, and the Congress, if it's true that the same FBI group went on, some went to the, to the investigation that was in the Southern District of New York, they were involved in this Whitmer, Governor Whitmer fiasco case where it was like two-third feds were involved. Yep. Then went on to January 6th and then were involved in the uh, raid on Mar-a-Lago. Um, if that's true, then what we're dealing with is on the bad side, 
And the dark side of this is, is that we've got massive corruption at the highest levels, and they have their hands on the National Security Division of the Justice Department at a minimum, uh, and they're controlling it you know, swiftly, quickly. They can move agilely. It's almost like an intelligence arm uh, that, that can not only gather intelligence, but also go for the kill shot in terms of being able to get warrants and raid, do raids and that sort of thing. So I think we're looking at, so on the bad side, that it, it's appearing that that does exist. There are some really bad actors that took the place of Strzok and Page, who were probably underlings there, who are complete partisan hacks, who are essentially a Gestapo arm of the, of the uh, Biden administration uh, to target their political opponents. Uh, now, the, on the good side of that is, is it should be relatively quickly to unearth who, who are these agents, who are the people at DOJ, who are the people in the Biden White House. So you're probably talking about kind of this special cell of, you know, two to, two to three dozen people that Congress will need to dive into quickly, get all their information, all of their emails, uh, all their communications, uh, if they're not already destroying them, or, or maybe they learned from from the previous uh, fiasco where they just have destroyed this as it's ongoing. But I think that's going to become, it's going to start to come into focus about, you know, who are these people within our government that are, that are, you know, part of this hit squad. Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, in the mafia movies, when they call up the cleanup crew to come in and uh, make the scene all nice, you see him coming in and like the, the janitor's clothes to, to clean up the crime scene. And it seems like, you know, the FBI, even though probably directed at the highest levels, now have regular agents out there who are, you know, setting up regular Americans and, uh, you know, leaking things to the media to bend and skew their narrative and, and things like that to, uh, you know, shape it so that people think that, you know, the, the, the American citizens, people all the way up to, like, Donald Trump now, uh, you know, their narrative is the right one, and regardless of what happened or, or, or what, uh, you know, was the basis for the Mar-a-Lago raid, uh, it, it's not true. And, and it's really it's really alarming to see. I mean, the FBI and DOJ, since the Obama administration, has pretty much been out of control. They've been some of the most divisive branches of the federal government. And uh, we saw yesterday, I thought it was pretty alarming news, uh, that the executive privilege waiver, uh, you know, from the, well, air-quoting, current sitting president to to the one that was his, uh, you know, person had he left office before him now that it just seems ridiculous that they can go and waive executive privilege uh, to, you know, lay the foundation for the basis of, like, a unconstitutional raid like they did. Cash, someone who's seen the inside of a courtroom for as long as you have, does it? how alarming is that to you to say that, you know, well, first they tried to say the Biden White House was in the dark about this, then they said, okay, maybe up to Ron Klain, as far as like uh, people in the know, but now it seems that like as early as April, maybe even earlier of this year, the the Biden White House was collaborating with the Department of Justice and trying to build this fake narrative that they would use as the basis for the raid that happened at Mar-a-Lago. Yeah, look, I've said from the beginning there is no way that the White House was not informed about this raid, and I said that for sure the White House Counsel's Office and the Chief of Staff had to know because there is no way the Department of Justice would operate against the President of the United States without syncing with this White House who is on the same team. And it's the biggest lie they have said since uh, basically launching this investigation. Oh, Biden knew nothing. I don't care what Biden knew. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> That's why uh, I actually believe that. <laughs> but the White House, to say the White House didn't know anything is a total and utter lie, and it's going to help take them down. 
And it also just exemplifies a two-tier system of justice that is pissing off every American. It started in Russiagate, it went to Jan 6, impeachment 1, 2, 3, 4, whatever, and now we're on to the Mar-a-Lago raid. And what people in this country get ticked off the most about if there's a separate set of rules that apply to us and another one that people make up in positions of power when they are trying to hold themselves accountable. And we got to start putting these government gangsters on blast. Okay, Lisa Monaco and John Carlin, who was my boss at the National Security Division, when the Russiagate hoax was launched, authorized these bogus fraudulent investigations. Now they are the number three and two at the Justice Department under Merrick Garland. The FBI agents from the Whitmer prosecution that failed are now been promoted to head up the Washington field office and the counterintelligence division that are running the Mar-a-Lago raid. Not to mention the fact that there are Mueller team investigators at the FBI in this counterintelligence division at the FBI promoted after Strzok got fired for breaking the law in his oath of office. Heidi's there. And this guy named Auten, an FBI intel analyst, he's there. It is the same government gangsters. It's already been proven, and I think you're going to see more and more of it. And let's see how many FBI 302s they doctored and altered. Because when Devin and I said it, because we proved it, the world turned on us and said, nope, not this FBI, never. Well, they did it once before, and they've been doing it ever since. So we got to start calling these people out by name and putting them on blast and making sure Congress knows who they are and to subpoena the right people and put them in front of the American public in public hearings and make Chris Ray answer questions and not have the out that his government paid for private jet has to take him to the Adirondacks so he can bowl with Rumpelstiltskin. Make that man sit down and answer tough questions because you know what? He can't. He has allowed his FBI to lie to Congress in America, and we should end his reign by impeaching him for allowing such fraudulent conduct. Yeah, I think he's definitely thrown himself into the mix as far as, you know, coming up for impeachable candidates. We know he was kind of pushed on President Trump during the Trump administration as like a little bit of normalcy after somebody like, you know, what happened with James Comey, uh, who's another person that's going around, you know, kind of trying to uh, dunk on the Trump world narrative right now in regards to this uh, raid that happened. But it seems like he's just as big, if not a bigger disappointment. Well, at least a more overt one. Uh, than James Comey was. James Comey operated in the shadows until he was caught, and then like a cockroach, he was kind of, you know, out there for all the world to see. Christopher Ray just goes and says, like, well, yeah, this is going on. Yep, this happened. Yeah, I know who he is. And uh, just kind of plays the idiot. Oh, we referred him to OPR four years ago. Let's <laughs> see what they find. It's total bullshit uh, investigatory oversight by the, our number one law enforcement agency that is getting destroyed because of, like, eight people. They are sure giving the whole entire uh, department, well, agency a bad name. You are right there. Devin, we saw that magistrate judge who's got a weird history with Donald Trump, even though it, it, it's kind of short-lived. Uh, you know, the recusing himself from the Trump v. Clinton case earlier in the year and then being the person who approved the raid at Mar-a-Lago. It, yesterday there was reports that he, uh, well, he's basically not siding with the DOJ in, in addition to keeping these uh, the affidavit from the public being seen, but... According to you guys, you think it'll still be months before we see even a redacted version of it? Well, the weirdness about the guy, you didn't want to say it, but you know he's been nicknamed on True Social as the Epstein Island judge. Oops. Because he, because he represented 
um, people that were co- that were connected to the Epstein Island fiasco, and of course, yep. uh, that's just weirdness in and of itself that somebody would represent anybody related to Epstein Island and then would then resurface as a magistrate judge. But also more of the weirdness is that that President Trump has filed uh, in that uh, federal jurisdiction uh, a case against the Russia hoaxers, including the Clinton campaign, the the Lovebirds, FBI, DOJ, all sorts of all sorts of people were named in that in that lawsuit. Well, the first judge that it was given to was this so-called infamous Epstein Island uh, affiliated judge. And uh, President Trump, right at the time, and his lawyer said, wait a second, you can't have this guy appointed by whoever the hell he was appointed by. He can't be uh, the judge in this case. And he recused himself. So just that's important color to have here. This guy recused himself just a few months ago. And then, lo and behold, then you get this open-ended warrant, and I'm not really an expert uh, on warrants. I'm sure Cash can can get into this, but I think that, that simply put, this was a this was a warrant that allowed the FBI to come in, DOJ to come in, and grab anything that they wanted to have to, that had anything to do with the presidency. Which, of course, the only thing they had to leave at Mar-a-Lago was maybe the furniture and the wallpaper and the carpet that was there and maybe the, the walls and the swimming pool, because, you know, obviously they couldn't, they couldn't move that, but they had the right to, to remove everything. So, you know, the fact that the, that background along with an open-ended warrant like this, when, you know, we were told at the beginning of this with, I mean, just leaks, of course, Oh, there's a secret uh, nuclear document with top secret information. Well, <laughs> if that was the case and cash knows this, you know, there is a log of all of these documents. I mean, these are, these are especially if they were super secret like that, they would know if a document was missing or not. So it would have been easy. They should have been able to walk into the, you know, into uh, uh, the courtroom to the judge and say, look, we're looking for document A, document B, document C, document D. We believe that these exist because of this reason, this reason, this reason. It should have been clear. That's not what the warrant was. The warrant was open and go in and get whatever the hell you want. And it's just simply outrageous. And it gets back to kind of that point I was making. You know, you've got not only do you have this cell that's operating within the Biden White House, DOJ and FBI that's that's there specifically to target Trump. And I always say it's not just about Trump. Trump is it's Trump and Republicans that yes. they're going after. This is the reason they're targeting Trump is because he is effective. He broadened the Republican Party. We won states that we had never won before. Uh, he did things on the international and national stage that no one thought was was ever possible. So he is a direct challenge to the Socialist Party, which formerly known as the Democratic Party in this country. And I don't say that that lightly. Um, and that's why they're they're targeting. So it's you 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 kill Trump to kill off the Republican Party. They would love. Uh, to have you know somebody like a uh, a Romney or or you know one of these milk toast guys that even if they most likely they wouldn't campaign hard enough to win, but even if they did win, uh, they would quickly just move center left and yep. appoint you know liberal judges and justices and and we end up you know you know let whoever get into the FBI and DOJ so that they can keep their cabal uh, to to in their in the lust lust for power which is really now assembled, you know, look, let's just call it what it is. This is team Obama 
to a, in a lesser degree, they've crowded out Team Clinton yep. that have developed this cell to allow them to keep to spy on any, anyone they want, leak whatever they want, target anyone they want, get warrants on anyone they want. Uh, and this is, you know, like I said, it's it's a dark chapter of American history, and uh, it's why I left Congress to start True Social with the president because they had effectively by by co-opting the big giant tech companies, they had wiped out the American people ability to communicate basic communications over the internet. Um, and I think we found that out here in the last couple of weeks, if it wouldn't have been for true social, imagine how hard it would have been for president Trump to get any message out what whatsoever, or for all of us, including all of us that are on here to interact with one another. We've already talked about, I don't know, five or six or seven stories in the short amount of time that probably would have never been written, probably none of us would have ever seen because those would have all been banned from the other other platforms by now. Yeah, that's... But Devin, Devin has the fix. He's going to announce it on Steak for Breakfast. He is officially going to endorse Liz Cheney for president. She's like solve it. <laughs> you, can't, you can't have a better week right now with all the crap that's going on to have lost Cheney, Stilter, and Fauci in the same week. Uh, so at least we are doing a little bit of winning. Cash, <laughs> piggybacking off of what Devin says, we are seeing in an age of social media where we didn't get to see a lot of the stuff that happened during the Nixon administration, essentially like Russiagate and Watergate had a baby, and that's what this is. There's, there's a lot of people who are trying to jump ahead of the narrative. We've seen some things that are literally unprecedented. The waiving of executive privilege, the raiding of a former president's home, not just the former president, but the president who was in office last term by the one who supposedly defe- defeated him by the most votes in the history of the universe. Mm. Um, yeah, I know. We are uh, definitely not in that narrative on Steak for Breakfast. But there's a lot of people now who are talking about what's next. Obviously, we're going to see President Trump's actual clapback. He's done some truth posts. He's done a couple phone-in interviews since this has happened and kind of like laid it out there where they're at legally, how he feels. But September 3rd and, uh, well, Joe Biden's, you know, home in Scranton, PA, good old Scranton Joe. Mm. Donald Trump's going to do a Save America rally, and I'm sure we're going to hear his answering of the call. But I think the thing that a lot of people are focused on right now is for someone who's done this for a long time in the sense of legalese, do you see with the things that they've already done, raiding his home, waiving the privilege, and all of the other stuff, grabbing things that we all know that they shouldn't have took in the first place, so now they could scan them and keep them and say, oh, we miss it, you know, advertently took this stuff here, just have it back, we didn't even look at it, to try and get ahead of the narrative, regardless of what they are looking for, I think it's just kind of a fear tactic, to be honest with you. Do you see the former president getting indicted? No. Me either. Me either. Uh- Look, they they're the, the goal is to make sure he doesn't run. Right. And if they can just get enough mud in the water um, and use the fake news mafia to turn Americans off. That's what they were thought they were doing with this approach. And it tremendously backfired. What people are doing is um, actually tuning in and turning off CNN and the New York Times and CNN and Politico and reading outlets that are reporting truthfully. And I got to give the Wall Street Journal some credit here. They actually put out an article this week and I told them, I said, look, we'll roll the dice with you guys, but you got to give us a fair shot. Mm -hmm. And they're actually, and people have read that article and said, wow, they did a decent job of outlaying the facts and saying that there was overreach and saying that there's possible, you know, corruption. And, And that's what I said, we've shown already and we're not even in charge yet. So wait to see what happens when the gavels switch. And I don't think, 
Look, if this DOJ indicts President Trump, Oof. he doesn't even have to run in 2024. Yep. He gets elected yesterday. <laughs> so um, if they want to do that, I mean, the, the record breaking donations uh, or political fundraising and Devin's the, the, the guru at this. When this raid happened, it went through the roof yep. for Trump. So can, you can just imagine if they want to give him a hundred million dollar war chest overnight, I guess, go ahead and indict him. Yeah, what is, what is uh, and it's not even, even if they do indict him, the crimes that they're talking about and far better lawyers than me have talked about this. They don't disqualify him from being the president of the United States. So they're just running a disinformation campaign to tell Americans falsely. You can't vote for this man. He's a criminal. We're going to dirty him up. It's Russiagate all over again. And just wait till we prove the same villains um, borne out this operation. So it's really going to be pissed. I have a little bit different take than, than cash does. So what's beginning to come into focus is this cabal, this Gestapo cabal that they have between the, the White House, DOJ, and the FBI. And I, I do believe, Cash, that there are psychopaths that definitely did want to indict. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it's probably the different levels of who's in charge, right? So, so Garland looks to be kind of just like an avatar figurehead. Mm-hmm. Uh, he probably got the shit beat out of him for weeks. I mean, that kind of <laughs> leaked out. At first it was he didn't know anything. Then it came out, oh, no, he didn't. He, he, sweated over this for weeks and then the raid happens and then day one goes by day two goes by day three goes by and finally on day four the guy looked like he was a hostage walks (laughs) out there gives this goofy press conference that says i did this i i signed off on it and quit picking on doj and fbi and let me get the hell off the stage i'm not taking any questions it was the strangest (laughs) press conference of, of all time so What's happening in there is I think they took the four days because they went through, they looked at everything, they knew exactly what they had, and they got they didn't get jack shit. And Garland was probably hoping to come out and say something like, Hey, we got, you know, we got what we were looking for. They didn't get anything. Um, so now you got the real psychopaths, and it's unsure at what level the psychopaths are really operating. Are they the ones at the bottom of the wrong that are out there doing the dirty work that just hate Trump and Republicans. Like, you know, are these, you know, like the top FBI guys, uh, are there people within DOJ that are scheming up, you know, remember they schemed up the Logan act, a 200 year old law to target mm-hmm. general Flynn back in 2016 and 17 yep. and got away with it. So don't think that these guys would not and, and gals would not try this again. And they're probably going to be, do it more sophisticated. Now, will they indict him now after this bungled fiasco that they've got themselves into? I don't think they expected uh, the repercussions to come back that essentially now you have, you reminded a lot of Republicans, you know, who have been listening to the fake news now for, for the last year and a half. Oh, should Trump won? Should he not run? They just reminded him that, oh, wait a second. Now remember, this is the guy that they targeted nonstop for four years. Holy crap, they're still targeting him. Now they're going to raid his home. Uh, and I think most people see it for what it is. And I see it now everywhere that I've, I've gone when, I, when I'm commuting between Florida and California. People are saying, what the hell? This is like third world country bullshit. Yeah. And, and it is. So now there's probably going to be an argument within those two or three dozen operatives that are running this this cell at the national security division of doj there's going to be some that are pushing hell yeah just indict him you know uh what about you know go, going back to the story i told you about struck who's yep. 
running around out there on Twitter saying that Trump, alluding that Trump has some Russian passport. So <laughs> I'm sure you have people who were trained by him who are still in there who don't give a shit, right? I mean, as of today, they just got away with this Whitmer deal where they framed a bunch of, of people in, in, in Michigan, the supposed kidnapping deal. You've got all the questions that surround January 6th. So don't be so don't be so sure. All I'm saying is I think they went in to indict, but now they're gonna have trouble doing it. Because of the so, sloppiness of it, right? Yeah, the, the just the sloppiness of it. And then, you know, I was just to, uh, on, so I kind of joked that that uh, Garland is like an avatar, uh, which which he is, but <laughs> I'm also confused here, just kind of change up. You guys have, so I can see you guys moving. For, for the listeners here, we're on Zoom, so we can kind of see each other. And then you have this Antoinette who's in the corner. I wasn't sure if Antoinette was an avatar like Merrick Garland, and you guys just put her picture up there or if she's really there. But I think, I think she's there. It's just for street cred. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm here. I'm here. Cash knows he's seen me not in not in real life, but he's seen me on video. She's, like she's, just, she's not a catfish either. She is really that pretty. You're making you're making the steak for breakfast, guys. Look good. Oh, she certainly does. I never thought we were going to fit one of those in there, but we yeah. did. I, Devin was starting to think this was a Manti Teo operation. Oh no, <laughs> not ghost girlfriends. <laughs> yeah, you guys just act all cool. You put these cool looking avatars up on your Zoom, so your guests think, "Oh wow, they've got some really cool people that are part of their podcast." Follow those they don't people. talk. All right, they no, no. Don't put, the, don't put the Donald Trump avatar up there. Oh, whoops. <laughs> I got El Trumpo, though, the one with the mustache. Nice. Wait, wait, wait. We've got the best Donald Trump thing coming from Fight With Cash. We're doing the uh, Trump Punisher with Orange Flow. <laughs> wait till you see this release. Really? Oh, yeah. Nice. Coming in a, in a week or two. Cash, Cash well, I go to I go to church of the day, and uh, <laughs> lady, this nice lady that I always talk to at church, she's on True Social. And she was so happy because she just got her delivery of her Punisher, uh, cash Punisher socks. There we nice. go. Nice. And then my neighbor, he thinks that he doesn't understand why cash has all this great uh, swag. And he thinks that I should that I should have my own swag, too. But then I reminded him I had, like, my own political swag for years. I'm done with that. Cash can, have, can do all the swag now. It's all for charity, man. We don't make a dime. Truth Social should get involved and start hawking some of our merch. Oh, I like that. <laughs> I got to get me one of those true social hats. That black one you got on right now is pretty good. Or is it black or gray? It's a, it's actually like a dark blue. This uh, one, this one's the best one. Ooh, flex, flex fit, one. nice. My favorite. Yeah. I need some of them. I'm an extra large, by the way. Hat. Next time I'm down at HQ, we'll send you guys a bunch of crap. Nice. I love it. So we do have a we do have a true store. You can go to uh, to to our true store, and you can actually we have a few that are that are for sale there. Do we yeah, use, for you guys listening, if you have if you haven't seen these hats, they're pretty they're pretty clean. They're nice. So, do we use promo code Devin or promo code Cash? Mm. <laughs> promo code Devin will get you a mark down. Promo code Cash will get you a mark up. Oh, oh perfect. What does promo code Steak do? Mm. <laughs> Someday, <laughs> Cash. One of the things I saw. It very subtly crossed the newswire yesterday. Uh, we saw one of the lead prosecutors step away from the Durham investigation. We know this is something you have worked tirelessly and endlessly and passionately on. Do you have any insight onto why this may have happened ahead of this, you know, trial that's supposed to be going down here in, in, in a very short amount of time? Yeah, I mean, look, John Durham said, not to the media, but by his filings, that he was going to be the prosecutor in this case. 
which is an unusual move for a special counsel himself to jump in and try the case. So if he's going to do it, then, you know, you don't need 17 other people sitting there at the table. Um, but uh, I, you know, that's my guess on it, because if he's stepping in, uh, somebody has to step out. Uh, and you have to file, you know, and in court, you have to be formal with these things. You can't just be like, hey, judge, tag, I'm in. You got to file a notice. You got to say this guy's out and this guy's in. And that's the first step. I'm not really worried about it. And, and quite frankly, if Durham's going to step in, uh, you know, that one's going to be fun. <laughs> yeah, I think so, too. There's just a lot of people. They, they It's the drive-by headline mentality that we're trying to get away yeah. from here. That's why we got into doing a little bit of writing. That's why we kind of developed stuff on this show a little bit more than, you know, some of like, let's just say the legacy media is they bring like you or Devin in and it's like for anywhere between a three and five minute spot. And they're like, barf everything out about this subject that you can. And then we're going to cut to a hard commercial and you can't, you can't really ask follow-up questions or sometimes when you do, they just cut you off because it's not what they want to hear. Um, so I don't know if you guys, that's why I stopped doing the, uh, I don't call them legacy media. That's too kind. Hmm. I uh, just I just call them the fake news media, but yeah, I, I haven't done uh, interviews with them in like almost five years, I think. Oof. I like that. And uh, look at this, this is back again on Steak for Breakfast. Hopefully, it won't be the last time. I think we had a nice time today, gents. I'll, I'll start with Devin. This is something that's definitely affecting everything connected to Trump world and uh, you know the populist movement that we've got heading into this hopeful red wave in November. So Doomer, uh, well, he's been referred to as the old crow. He's also been referred to as the old piece of crow. He cut himself off at that one rally. China Mitch went around last week talking to some constituents in in Kentucky and uh, basically was dooming about a lot of the senatorial candidates. Well, at least, Cash, you've gone around and stumped for. But, Devin, you you know as far as leadership goes in the House and Senate, these things are very politically driven in regards to money, in regards to opinion, in regards to who you could, you know, jack up against the wall behind closed doors to kind of push your narrative and not what's best for the people all the time. Is this just like probably the last swing that Mitch McConnell is going to be able to legitimately take at Donald Trump by saying the quality of candidates is not good and it worries him that we won't be able to flip this down? Even though after the weekend we saw a lot of these races, almost all of them, the five battleground states where you have Trump endorsed America First candidates, have all moved pretty much within the margin of error and we're still two months out of the actual election. Well, you caught me off guard there at first because... I thought you said groomer. <laughs> oh. I thought, wow, I, I, you know, McConnell's got some issues, but but he's definitely not gro- he's not a groomer. He's a little old. Um, said doomer though, doomer. Doomer. Yeah. Look, I, I don't know. I, I don't understand what's going on here um, on these on these Senate races and that kind of talk because as someone who you know, I served many years on the Congre- National Republican Congressional Committee. You know, I've done just about almost every job there, recruit, you know, recruitment of candidates, helping candidates, mentoring, mentoring candidates, um, and have watched, you know, so many elections come and go. And these are across the board, really exceptional candidates. Yes. Um, And and I would even say, obviously, you take uh, uh, Laxalt, amazing candidate uh, in Nevada, who I know Cash spends a lot of time in Nevada, it works with him. He, he's a he's, he's an amazing candidate. I actually knew his father. His father served in the Senate, um, and he he's phenomenal. I've been there to do uh, events in Nevada for him over the last because he came very close to winning the governor's race a few years ago. Yep. Um, and then you take uh, I know both JD Vance and Blake Masters from Arizona. JD Vance in Ohio, young, dynamic. Uh, they know kind of big tech. 
Um, obviously, J.D. Vance is in, in his own right, an entrepreneur, wrote a, you know, a famous book and, and was turned into a movie. I mean, my God, those are, and Blake Masters, a, a, a tech guy, like, how do you get better? Those are top-notch candidates. I mean, not just like, like, I mean, really top-notch candidates, like a new Republican Party, right, of these younger, younger guys to, to, to come in and, and invigorate the, the party. Um, and, and look, let's take the one that let's take the case in Pennsylvania, which there was a lot of division over. Um, there were three three Republicans uh, in that race, um, Oz, and I forget the second guy, and then, and then there was then there was a lady. But but look, let's just take Oz. In any normal year, Oz would be celebrated roundly. Um, it's just that he had a primary to go through, so you had those divisions with the Republican Party, but. You know, I know for as a, somebody who's been recruiting candidates, you, you know, what's the number one thing you need in politics? For those of you who don't know this, the first thing you need, the second thing you need, and the third thing you need is people got to know who the hell you are yep. and <laughs> name ID. And it costs, it, it costs, I, I can tell you in a place like Pennsylvania, a big state like that, for Joe Smith to get name ID, you're talking about, 40, 50, $100 million to get to the name ID that Oz has because the guy's been on TV forever. So, so look, I mean, maybe he's not a, a perfect candidate in the sense, and maybe that primary was a little bruising, but in any normal world, Oz would be celebrated as one of the best uh, you know, uh, candidates we've ever been able to get in Pennsylvania, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah. I, don't, so I don't understand that problem. Uh, if you look at the Missouri Senate race, that was a brutal primary. It yep. seems like uh, the guy there looks pretty good. Um, obviously, we've got uh, uh, Ted Budd uh, in North Carolina. Uh, you know, very, very hard worker, very solid guy. I served with him in, in the House. Really strong. Uh, he seems to be a he seems to be a great a, a great candidate. So I don't know what all the doom and gloom is about. This is a this is a great crop of, of candidates that the Republicans in the Senate have to run. And I'll congratulate Rick Scott, who, who you know, I don't think you've heard Rick Scott, who's the, the chair of the Republican Senatorial Committee, yep. Senator from Florida. You haven't heard him say these things about these candidates. So I don't know if McConnell just had a bad day that day or, or, or what, but um, yeah, just, uh, just strange because these, this is a great Senate crop of Senate candidates. I'd be very proud of yeah, it sure is. You know, one of the ones you didn't mention, but who's equally important, and it kind of lines up with, like, Dr. Oz. You know, Dr. Oz is running in a race against someone who's literally to the left of Bernie, uh, a spoiled, rotten brat who lived off his parents forever, who's never had a real job in his entire life, and probably isn't mentally fit for the job, but that's not a prerequisite anymore, as we all know, with the current person who sometimes occupies the White House. Um, but but the fact of the matter is, down in Georgia, you've got Herschel Walker, who's been a reoccurring Herschel Walker, yeah, yeah, reoccurring yeah. guest on our show. And there's people who have said all these awful things about you know like his family and his intelligence. We've done two pretty long interviews with Herschel Walker, and I have not had any pre-approved or like you know guided questions to ask him. She's like, these are the things that we were talking about on the campaign trail, and then I ask him the way I want our listenership to hear our answer. And the guy's never been stumped. He always gives like a long, thoughtful answer with all the experience, whether it be like 
sports related when you're talking about you know trans players and women's sports whether it be like the the awareness stuff he did with like the military and mental health services and and, and you know he created a lot of jobs in Georgia too with, with the companies that he built after he was a professional player but he's running up against the real socialist that already has a voting record and is already in Congress right now and and they're trying to like do him on that race as well Cash, you've toured around the country with a lot of these guys. What are some of the stuff that you've seen that, I mean, everywhere they go, they draw massive crowds, regardless if, you know, it's a Donald Trump rally or not. They still hold big events, big venues. They all seem to be working really well with each other right now. And I think it's a lot of the frustration. Number one, Mitch McConnell thought no one was even paying attention to that stupid little luncheon he was having with some Kentucky conservatives. And then number two, I don't think he wants to do the work anymore. You know, changing the face and, and the kind of the, the vibe of the Republican Party right now, like we can in the Senate, to be more America first instead of just like boring lower your taxes, is not something he probably wants to do in, in what I think is his last term and at almost 82 years old. Yeah, the, look, we do, I do go around for these America first candidates, be it Blake, be it uh, Adam, be it Kerry, be it all these other guys, Abe and company, and then endorsing other Senate candidates around the country and congressional candidates. These are great. These are great races for us in Pennsylvania and North Carolina and Ohio, JD. And I think the toughest race for us is going to be Herschel Walker in Georgia, not because he's not the best candidate, right. but because Georgia's so screwed up. And so look, people, I don't know where math Mitch McConnell's listening to, but if we pick up four of those five seats, we're at 53. Yep. That's a massive off-cycle pickup for Republicans in the Senate. And I don't really know what Mitch McConnell's plans or hopes and dreams are um, at the ripe old age of being an octogenarian. But I also really don't care. Uh, when you go to these rallies, you see the American people show up in forces that they haven't shown up in because they know what it means to get the majority in the U.S. Senate. So we talk about simple stuff, man, when we're there. The border, national security, gas prices, the economy, Russia, China, Iran, things that people care about, the wars that have not ended, um, Biden's catastrophe in Afghanistan. Those are things that people need leadership on. And these candidates, all all of them, have backed President Trump's America First agenda. And that's why it's no coincidence that they're on they're on top. So I'll be stumping out there for a long time, or not a long time, until November, and hopefully we have some good results in, uh, across the country. But I'm on a mission to win back the West, and Nevada and Arizona are, are the key to it. Yeah, to- and, and if I can just, just sure. cut in, uh, too, just to be – you made a great point about Herschel Walker, and I want to make sure you guys know that, that I just forgot to mention Herschel Walker, but he's much in the same vein uh, as, as like an Oz who yeah. comes in there with incredible name ID in Georgia – and just so your, you know, your audience knows, Herschel Walker, over, I can't remember how many times we tried to recruit Herschel Walker to run for the House of Representatives. So the fact that you know, we get him as a Senate candidate is just another example. I just want to make sure you guys knew that, that, uh, you know, that, that I wasn't being, I didn't leave him out on purpose. I just simply forgot because there's every, virtually every single candidate we have is top notch. As a matter of fact, I can't think of one that is not. I've even heard even some of these states that are um, that are kind of out, you know, farther out of reach for us that we may not be able to to, to win, but we may challenge pretty hard in uh, in cash. I can't remember the, the the name, but in Connecticut, I guess we have a a really good candidate yeah. there, Leora um, Levy. Yes, I've heard just phenomenal things about that candidate. So you know. We're going to be a tough race, but the fact that that race is even on the radar and that we're, we have high caliber candidates in very deep blue states, I think, I think shows you that, 
that, that this is a, a strong field that we have running this time. And I think in the House of Representatives, it's, it's very similar. No, I, I com- I'm completely agree. They're already starting to try and lower the numbers in the House. I'm hoping we get around 250-ish after this midterm election. And then you're talking about that Connecticut race, the Republican nominee, Leora Levy. She'll be joining us on our Friday edition of Steak for Breakfast this week. As it's going to be the first time she's sitting down with us since she won the nomination there. And uh, We had Herschel on last week. Yeah, and, and New Hampshire's starting to get pretty contested right now. So it's looking like, you know... Listen, the radical progressive left for what they've done to this country over the last almost 19 months now has their work cut out for them. And uh, you even saw some of the pundits who kind of fed into that Mitch McConnell narrative developing late last week. And then, you know, by the end of the weekend, they're saying, okay, well, some of the candidates are in the margin of error. And these candidates are like two point up. And, you know, there's only maybe one race the Republicans have to focus on. And uh, it looks like they tried with everything else, tried to get ahead of themselves via projection. Guys, we know you got hard outs. Cash, you got any updates for our listenership before you drop your social media and your website for us? We heard you might have a, well, okay, let's talk about it real quick. Just briefly, we, we were all like a little sad that you cheated on us with Steve Bannon, but that's fine. We know you guys are just friends and, uh, you know, but you, you did tease there, there might have been a uh, plot against the King preview or a sequel on the way. And uh, we wanted you to let our listenership hear about that. No, I appreciate it. Yeah, so the plot against the king, thanks to thanks to your show and so many others, went to a number one children's book, nice. and we're transforming the education platform in America Absolutely. with core American values, and we're doing a trilogy. So the sequel is Ooh. coming out in a couple of weeks. We're going to announce it. I'll definitely be on your show talking about the plot against the king, book two. Mm. It will literally destroy the media when they read the title. Uh, we're not ready to go with the title just yet, but it's coming, nice. and it's going to be awesome. And fightwithcash.com. Thanks so much for, you know, I know we joke about the merch and everything like that, but we are officially a 501c3. The IRS, after nine months, finally gave us approval. I know you guys know what a monster lift that is for any conservative charity. Sure, yeah. We're doing full-on veterans assistance. We're actually taking care of active-duty soldiers in need. We're doing education programs, summer camps, and tuition assistance. Every single dollar at fightwithcash.com goes right back out the door. No one's on salary, and um, we're, we're just doing amazing stuff. So uh, you'll find all the updates, of course on truth social and uh the only ask i have is that will the truth social universe help me get past devin in followership i can't have this hanging over my head we will pump that out as hard as we can <laughs> if we could get your commitments to share our show today and uh in turn we'll get uh-huh. us more push as well <laughs> well i'm Thank looking you, forward to uh looking forward to sharing sharing the show and and just to uh, just so everybody knows, you know, truthsocial.com, even if you have a, an Android, uh, you can actually sign up through the web browser and get an account. And uh, hopefully we'll get approved in the Google Play Store soon. Yeah, it's one of the things we talk about, Congressman, more than anything. People always ask us, some of the ones that are still on the outside, hey, does it? I said, listen, all the features aren't up yet, but they have really you know, committed to trying to get all the features that they teased out there by the end of the year or shortly thereafter. I said, but listen. For people on social media, real conservatives, patriots who have gone through it since 2015 and have lost accounts and have been marginalized and completely shut down, the engagements alone, yeah, opening up your phone and having notifications from like a social mm-hmm. media on stuff that you're passionate about, it's like nothing we've been able to experience before in almost four years of doing this. So we can't thank you enough. Um, well, and, and of course, we'll be looking maybe together at some point in the future, but definitely uh, separately in coming up as well to have you guys both back and join us on the show our listenership really loves it we appreciate you guys and uh we wish you guys uh you know good rest of the week thanks a lot guys thanks guys take care
Congressman Nunez, Mr. Cash Patel, thanks for joining us today on Steak for Breakfast. See you guys. Thank you. Well, well, that wasn't the steak exclusive segment that we deserved, but it was the one that our listenership really needed. Yep. And wait, you're saying it wasn't good? It was great. I mean, it sounds like that. That sounds like you said it wasn't good. Channeling the Joker. Fan fucking tastic. Yeah. I hope you guys realize how much work goes into putting something like that together. Number one and number two, how hard it is to moderate. The best part was that Nunez had no idea Cash was going to be on with him. You know, I I, I sent it to his guy Mateus, who's really good. He's like, Cash is coming on. <laughs> and then Cash was fashionably late, and Nunez gave him real hard time off camera before we started oh, recording. Did he? Yeah, nice. so called him a diva and whatnot. But um, you know. Devin Nunes used to sit on, like, some of the highest committees, investigative committees in our federal government, and Cash Patel has literally more security clearances than he knows what to do with and all the different jobs that he did during the Trump administration, in addition to his, like, over a decade career of trying high-value terrorist targets in federal court. And to just try to listen and enjoy it while moderating at the same time, it's a little bit of a challenge, so... My pardons for a stutter here or there. I'm not going to invoke Joey Well, if people basements. aren't expecting a little bit of stuttering with you, then... <laughs> Come again. <laughs> it's mostly during the uh, intro and outro. But yeah, I, I hope we answered an overwhelming majority of some of the questions you guys threw in the comment sections of a few of the posts I put out there regarding that segment, because uh, I thought it was a great one, and uh, yeah. an exclusive hour of content you probably won't hear anywhere else. Something that everybody's hearing right now and reeling from is the continuing trashing of our nation under the guise of the Biden regime. Um, Chuck Todd was on meet the fake press this weekend nice. hosting, talking about how Americans are angry and went into a poll that I thought was pretty funny and we'll break it down after the clip, but let's hear him first. And a good Sunday morning to all of you. We are less than three months before the midterms, and our brand new NBC News poll paints a pretty bleak picture. Americans are angry, they're disappointed, and they are worried about the future of this country. Just 21% of adults say we are heading in the right direction, and once again, three out of four Americans say we're on the wrong track. In fact, this number, never before in our poll, has this wrong track number been over 70%, for this long. It's been nearly a year now. 58%, by the way, say America's best years are behind us. That's an all-time high in our poll. All right. Soak that in. 74%, three out of four Americans think the country is on the wrong track. 50-something hmm. percent wherever. Bear with me while I'm talking here. I'm pulling up my true social account because I posted. I screenshotted that as I knew it would be hard to probably to get the clip. And it was, but I found it. Uh, the, the word salad you have to put into the search bar sometimes to figure this out. You would think Chuck Todd bad polls uh, would probably get you there, but sometimes I even surprise myself. So the 74% of the nation thinks that we're going in the wrong direction, and he said it's been over a year since that number has dipped below 70%. So that, that, that's pretty damning, you know, to say the least. Mm -hmm. But the next part of that segment that they went into, and I'm scrolling here, uh, it's pretty funny. You know, the economy, almost 60% of the nation feels like the economy is the number one and most important issue that we should be talking about here. Then they go into most important issues, line them all up. 
So America thinks that inflation is like the number one problem in the country. They, 75% almost think the country is on the wrong track. And then they put up their list of most important issues. Noah, you'll never guess what number one is. Uh, climate change. Close. Uh, that, that came in at four. Domestic violent extremists. Racism. How, how did you guess? Oh, because there's only two. So, right? 74% of the nation thinks we're on the wrong track. It's been that way for over a year. I had a 50-50 chance of being right. Almost 60% of those people think inflation is the number one cause of this. But when MSNBC in the next breath lines up their important issues facing voters in the 2020 midterm, they say 31% of those people feel like threats to democracy. Domestic threats to democracy is the number one problem. And that's only, and that's coming from big business, George Soros, Mm. all the fucking puppeteers pulling the strings for the media. Because the real people, your general everyday fucking Joe Blow on the street doesn't give a fuck about that. January 6th, ha, hilarious. That's like the fucking swap meet. Nobody gives a shit. Threats to democracy came in at one and beat the cost of living and jobs of the economy at two, three. Amazing. And there was a 13 and 11 point difference in between the number one and two, three issues. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they run that in the same segment. I would have done it in, in like different weeks, but they like go right in. And the people that are sitting there eating their Count Chocula on Sunday morning watching the TV, I, I hope they're not just soaking that up, saying that the reason inflation is so high is because of domestic threats to democracy. Shit. Insane. Um, the way these people try to like jam that crap down your throat. MSDNC's weekend show reports, I guess you would call it fake reports, um, stayed on that 55 disapproval number of, of Joe Biden right now. We all know it's literally so much higher, but let's hear them talk about how this number's historically low and has been so for quite some time. In question, we're always looking at here in midterm election years. The president's job approval rating, and you see Joe Biden in our new poll, 42% approved, 55% disapproved. It's mm. been a few months since the last NBC poll back in May, and the change since then, really no change. Biden's approval rating exactly the same in our poll toward the end of the summer as it was as the summer was beginning. And the key to this, of course, obviously, there usually, historically, has been a pretty strong link between a president's job approval rating and how his party does during midterm elections, the only two times in modern history that a White House party has actually picked up seats in midterm elections was Bill Clinton in 98. It was George W. Bush in 92. Their approval ratings were both well above 60 percent. Biden's, you see, sitting in that zone where presidents and their parties typically have lost seat. Mm-hmm. Mm. That kind of goes against the whole narrative that the same news outlets have been promoting in our entire News 1 segment. That because it doesn't matter if Joe Biden's popular or not, the Republicans are going to lose because we're going to tell you they're going to lose. And then we start to find out these polls are coming out that show Republicans are already doing better than expected, and we haven't even hit Labor Day yet. So I come across the wire today, Noah. Yeah. Natural gas has hit its highest price since 2008. Congratulations to all of our uh, people that use that to heat their homes and run their businesses. Yeah, that's uh, it's not really an issue right now, but uh, when you actually start needing to heat your home to fucking stay alive, mm-hmm. assholes. Not you people that use natural gas. I mean, the people that are 
There was a poll that came across. Fucking everything up. The world. It was like 1,900 registered voters. Nationwide blind call. 94% think that Joe Biden shouldn't be running for election. Re-election. 94? 94. Ooh. All parties, including independents. 94. Yep. (laughs) So if we were going to like take that 94% and translate that into approval ratings. I would, that would put him at six. Yeah. I mean, Ish? so realistically speaking, his approval rating is 6%. But, but it said 42 from, from MSDNC. 42. Fake reports. 42. So Where's Chuck Todd. Fuck Chuck Todd. Yeah. No. Math. 6%. In science. Yeah. We'll get to science in a bit, but we like math. We do border walls. Mm-hmm. We do how many border walls we have? Well, we're gonna we're, listen. Don't jump ahead. We got one clip before that. You don't want to time travel? Not yet. And I've done a good job of not doing it so far today. <laughs> um, Jesse Waters did a segment last night. So, in case you didn't know, in between Joe Biden returning to Washington D.C., not going to the Oval Office, and signing the Inflation Non-Reduction Act on the fake stage, where everybody, you know, stands really close to him, it was weird. They made the whole when the bass drops at the club and the edibles kick in memes of him signing it. Um, he was on a 10-day vacation. Now he's on another 10-day vacation um, while the country is literally getting its ass kicked. Um, I didn't know if you heard also, Nancy Pelosi and AOC went away together. And Kamala Harris decided to go and have her family. They went away together? Well, they're on vacation in the same spot in Florida. And in Florida. Florida, yeah. Florida. Mm-hmm. The place that they hate. Sunshine State? I mean, for a place that people hate. Big Dick Runland. Ron Dick Island? Mm-hmm. Geisha's going to be here to host on Friday. Yes. Kamal Harris met and the Obamas are vacationing together in Hawaii. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. So who's running the country right now? It's a very good question. I mean, wait. Oh, Obama's on vacation too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, who's running the country? Mm -hmm. Let's hear Jesse Waters weigh in. He might be doing it via Zoom. Mm -hmm. After taking two weeks off because he had COVID twice, he's taking the entire month off of August. Shuttling back and forth between South Carolina and Delaware. And it's not like Joe Biden has worked very hard this presidency. It's not like he really needs some R and R. His Secret yeah, yeah. Service codename is Three Day Weekend. So Ooh. when mm-hmm. Joe's gone, who's in charge? Sounds like an emo band. Well, we tracked Kamala Harris they don't make to a Hawaii, challenge where we caught her hiking, if you call it that, with some Secret Service agents. Wait a second, isn't Barack Obama in Hawaii right now? Mm-hmm. Is he scheduling a meeting with her? And we know how Barry feels about Kamala. He did say she was the best-looking attorney general in America. I wonder if Michelle is going to be at that meeting. Mm. Well, whatever happens, I'm sure the FBI has the place wired. So if Joe's on vacation and Kamala's in the Pacific plotting something with Barack, who's running the country right now? According to reports, it's shadow co-presidents Ron Klain and Obama puppet Susan Rice. Ah, there it and is. And they appear to really enjoy being in charge without any distractions. Susan Rice is leading a team of about a dozen staffers and is basically running everything behind the scenes. She's the gun czar, writes Biden's speeches, and according to Politico, senior aides said Biden's trust in Rice is so profound, she can see and meet with him whenever she wants to. Rice has walk-in privileges. I don't even give those to Johnny. And Ron Klain? Keeps bragging about how productive he is without Joe drooling all over the West Wing. Watch. Mm. Do you get more done when he's not here? 
Uh, like when he's here, it's like you're on call. Yeah, right? I, know. I definitely get more done when he's not here. No question about it. Go through a lot of President Klain also wants you to know that it's Trump's fault that Biden looks like he's lazy. I don't think it's true he's out there less than his predecessors. Oh. I just think Donald Trump created an expectation of a president creating a storm every single day. Oh, there are plenty of storms. The border crisis, crime, no baby formula, record inflation, record gas prices, a new war in Europe. It's just the media doesn't cover it. Mm -hmm. They don't ask Joe about any of that. Nope. This is why it looks like things are mellow. Joe, are you going to talk to us? No. 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 <clears throat> well, Susan Rice, we've been calling that one since day one. That's well, he confirmed did, now. He did say one thing that was true. Go ahead. Trump did create expectations of somebody that was going to do the best for the country and do things that benefited the country and keeping us out of war. Yeah. So that was my expectation for the next uh, go around. Color me disappointed. Imagine that. And a little more broke. <laughs> yeah, that makes all of us. Sombering. You know what else is? That war he mentioned in, in Europe that's going on right now, or whatever they're calling it. Money laundering operation? Mm -hmm. Basically. Greta Van Susteren did a piece, and John Kirby surprisingly jumped on with her to answer some questions. He's the co-White House spokesperson, because KGP just can't get the job done, fumbling through that binder. Is she quitting yet? I don't see her lasting through the winter. Like, just stick around long enough for a book deal, maybe, I guess. Oh, she's already got it. Yeah. Just black, gay, female, how dare me. Lay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Female? No, you can't, you can't say that one. We all know how the war in Ukraine ends. <laughs> it's when the money stops flowing, Russia and Ukraine get to the table, and Ukraine agrees to how much land they're going to give up. Uh, we all saw... Yeah, it's going to be amazing when the war fucking... Magically ends mm -hmm. as soon as somebody gets in office, it'll be like, Yeah, hey, guess what? Uh, piggy bank is closed, and well, they're gonna be like, All right, we'll fucking talk. The thing is, some things are starting to get real. Uh, I, I don't know if you guys saw, but over the weekend, so I guess like one of the most prolific spyish people from Ukraine was able to get into Russia, um, and car bombed the daughter of oh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, one of Vladimir Putin's most trusted. But didn't she... Oh, no, they were trying to bomb the other dude, but they got the guy's daughter because he fucking before, before decided she, he was going to go rogue and take an Uber Eats or something. Yep, before before she was able to sneak back into Ukraine, which was confirmed via cameras. Ooh. Yeah, so things are... It's like you create this false narrative, and then when shit starts getting real, it, it literally turns into the Leslie Nielsen, like, everything is fine, nothing to see here, with, like, shit exploding in the background. Yeah. But, the, you know, the shit exploding in the background in this case might Man, be I like... Can't pick, I can't pick the end of the show now. There's so many good references. Mm. Ukrainian nuclear power plants, which we hope isn't the case. But Oof. So Greta was talking with Kirby, and uh, I'm pretty sure you won't be surprised on the narrative he gave about the war ending anytime soon. House's National Security Council Coordinator for Strategic Communications, Admiral John Kirby, joins me. Good evening, sir. And, of course, uh, you know, there was your, your long history working at the Pentagon as well. When we, when we see the atrocities that are still going on in, in Ukraine, is there oh. any end in sight? Do we have any information that this is getting close to the end? Actually, Greta, uh, sadly, no. 
Uh, in fact, just uh, in the last day or so, uh, we've heard from the Kremlin that they have no intention uh, of seeking a diplomatic end to this war. Why would they? Uh, and every intention, quite uh, the contrary, to continuing to They're prosecute making money this hand war over fist. Uh, against uh, Ukraine and the Ukrainian people. Um, and that's uh, obviously re regrettable for everybody around the world, not just the people uh, in Ukraine. Regrettable? Uh, Mr. Putin should do the right thing by getting out now, pulling his troops out, sitting down in good faith with President Zelensky and Why ending this, this unprovoked invasion that he himself started now six months ago. Mm. Why would he stop? Everything that's happening right now is benefiting him. He's literally choosing who he's going to send his oil and natural gas to at a fucking premium and add insult to injury for us, he's importing potentially a Russian military force. Via the, the fucked up asylum system we have. Yep. Like. Winning. I mean, he's saving a lot on troop movements because we're fucking paying for it. Hey, tell you what, we're going to import your troops into the country. We're going to put them up in a nice hotel. You're talking about this country. This country. Mm -hmm. Yeah. America. Under the guise of. Fake news asylum. <laughs> <laughs> And I just, I don't know, I ran out of gas. I'm just so disappointed in everything. Mm. But Joe Biden pledged another $800 million this week. <sighs> like, there has to be people that are on the opposite political spectrum that are just like, hey, how do we, can we vote to stop doing this? Like, can we vote to stop giving? Yeah, yes, you can vote against this fucking retard in the midterms. Did you say retard? I meant... You're now getting audited by the IRS. Oh, that's right. Because if you disagree with us, then the militarized wing of the now IRS, instead of just the DOJ, is going to come after you. You do have to at least claim one W this week. And it came in the form of a unexpected resignation yesterday. Oh, yeah. I know nothing makes Noah and Antoinette more happy than to hear that literally human engineerist and Dr. Doom, Anthony Fauci, announced that he would be leaving the Biden administration as, well, he holds several titles in addition to being director of the NIH and Biden's personal health advisor. Wait, is science allowed to quit their job mm -hmm. and retire? You can't, science can't retire. Like what if science retires? Mengele is retired. You, you want to talk about no, all but these, he's science. these fake news polls about midterm elections? I think Tony sees the writing on the wall. Oh, fuck. It's not going to matter. Rand Paul and, and, and Matt Gates and several other Jim Jordan have come out and said, listen, unless he's, go, unless, yeah, unless he's going to some like third world country where they can't find him to extradite him, there's nothing that can save him from getting called before Congress next year. Well, so his, his net worth is pretty good. His golden parachute's even better. Billions and billions. I'm assuming he owns several properties. Mm -hmm. I wonder what, uh, like, does he... Does he own some property in a non-extraditable country? Interesting to find out. Yeah, how long till Fauci goes on vacation and doesn't come back? <laughs> Talk about flight risks. They need to be securing all of his three passports. No one probably enjoyed... Well, he's got his passport, probably a diplomatic passport, mm -hmm. a passport with his name changed to science. <laughs> There's at least three. <laughs> diplomatic passport under science. He swears to this day that he never flip-flopped on anything covid I well, I mean, it's hilarious. People, though. people from that generation, like they don't really understand how the internet works. Mm. And I know, right? They're so, they're so like out of touch. There's absolutely no data that you can extrapolate from me 
flip flopping on anything that I've said in the past. Um, if your <laughs> science is retiring, it, it's, you sound like Christopher Walker almost. <laughs> walking? It's, it's walking. I mean, walking. <laughs> had this uncomfortable hunk of metal in his ass. We were talking about Herschel earlier. Hey, give me the watch. It, it, it still, it still <laughs> says. It still says. Donate five dollars and and fire Dr. Fauci on Rand Paul's website. It, it still says that. Um, it says retire, retire Fauci. I mean, <laughs> nobody enjoyed this more than us in the moment right now than Tucker Carlson did, and he led with it for his open last night. Let's hear it. Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson. Tonight, imagine oh, the excited. pandemonium at Soul Cycle Studios across the Northeast this morning. When Tony Fauci announced his retirement, ugly doesn't Fauci. begin to describe it. <laughs> picture the chaos, if you can, in the organic chaga aisle at Whole Foods in Brookline. Chaga? Try to envision the panic and hysteria that must have broken out at espresso bars in Edgartown, in Aspen, in Santa Monica, and Bethesda, as thousands of masked ladies in Lululemon discovered all at once that the one religious leader they still revered, their own even tinier version of the Dalai Lama, had decided to retreat forever from public life. It was, ladies and gentlemen, the equivalent of a targeted nuclear device detonated over the most emotionally vulnerable elements of our most privileged population. You can picture the carnage, the wailing, the swooning, manicured hands clutched to breasts and fumbling for Xanax in expensive handbags. Not since the orange man seized the White House in a Russian coup have more 46-year-old Cornell-educated lawyers with weak husbands wept shamelessly in public. <laughs> There's not enough rosé in Napa to quell that pain. And it wasn't supposed to be this way. It never is supposed to be this way. Just a month ago, St. Tony suggested to his followers he'd be around another two years, at least living at public expense as the mm -hmm. highest paid federal employee till the end of Joe Biden's first, but hopefully not last term. Mm. And you know what that meant? It meant many more spreads in Teen Vogue, many more interviews on NPR, many more tips on masking. Is three enough? And of course, more vital guidance on how to celebrate the holidays. Which relatives should we ban from Thanksgiving this year? Dr. Fauci will know. Oh, but not anymore. That's all gone. He's sitting masked at Brian Stelter's house watching Chris Hayes tonight. <laughs> Do you guys think that he writes this on his own? He's got a really creative team that hammers it home more often yeah. than not. So good. He lost St. Fauci in the eunuch in one week. Did he have Did he have the St. Fauci candle in his office? Like yes. With all his other fucking hand jobbery that he has? Yep. Oh, Lord. Or self-flagellation, whatever you want to call it. With all his bobbleheads. <laughs> what's, the what's the opposite of flagellation? Mm. <laughs> I guess I should ask Tubin. Oof. Oh, listen, listen here, Jack. Tubulation. They already told him to beat it. Oh, got him. Monday. And I wish we could end on a high note because that is a very high note. Yeah. Mm. Won't be as high as when he's hopefully held accountable for all of his crimes against humanity. Um, oh, I wish I wish we could see like that live broadcasted, you know, like Nuremberg, too. Mm. Yeah, a lot of people continue to point that out that it's like starting in January or something. Anthony Fauci will never appear before that courtroom. Nope. You got to remember of where he lives and what the extradition laws are here. Uh, you literally have murderers and rapists uh, fly in and out of United Nations headquarters like every day. So, uh, like literal murders and rapists, like people who are wanted federally for rapes and murders here in the United States. Murderly murders? Mm hmm. <laughs> but in our last audio clip of the day, 
vehement racist. Uh, Tiffany Cross sat in for Joy Reid yesterday and talked about, well, kind of the logistics of where we're at. It seems like everything that's led up to this point where we're in right now, heading into the general election and centered around President Trump, is for the radical progressive left and those who are clinging to power to initiate some kind of a civil war. You know, I, I tell a lot of people I can't see it in my brain of Donald Trump ever literally being indicted and or handcuffed and like walked out of anywhere. I just don't see it happening. That probably would be the trigger that starts the civil war, though. She mm-hmm. made a claim on her show that, you know, we're already in it and have been fighting it for a while. And, uh, well, I guess you guys could just listen to some of her divisive comments. You're saying, Tom, Tom, we have to deal with the rhetoric. And, you know, I agree with you, but it's not really rhetoric we can deal with. I mean, you have millions of people tuning into a propaganda network every night. And then, as if that were not bad enough, that's an extremist network itself. You have these fringe pop-up uh, outlets, you hey, know, from OWN to Newsmax. Um, then you have the social media component. That train has left the station. There is no let's deal with the rhetoric. At this point, I do think we have to have serious conversations around preparing for actual violence. Mm. Uh, People keep saying a civil war is coming. I would say a civil war is here. And I don't mean to be hyperbolic. We can look at what has happened just in the past week alone since all this has happened. We've had two people try to declare war with FBI field offices. I don't think at this point we're going to all pack up our bags and go home and sing Kumbaya. You know, the Kion said Donald Trump and his supporters threaten DOJ, FBI, and federal judges. Um, when everybody forgets, like, what was it, a month or two ago after the Roe v. Wade verdict, what happened? We almost had a Supreme Court justice murdered and his family murdered. In addition to that... Well, it's okay as long as it's not their Supreme Court justice. Glenn Youngkin allowed them to protest outside of their houses after they were doxxed on social media uh, for weeks. Oof. And, yeah, th- this is this is the rhetoric that goes on in the most fringe corners of the legacy media that's on a a show that has hundreds of thousands and sometimes millions of viewers and if you didn't think joy reed was a big enough piece of shit tiffany cross who occasionally sits in for she's like a carbon copy who like doesn't care because she's only going to be on like once a month Mm. um but yeah in my brain i think the only way that we would ever see people really getting rowdy and riled up is if they ever tried to physically do something to donald trump the hearsay and rhetoric, the going through his wife's underwear draws, that's all really in poor taste, unprecedented, probably borderline illegal, definitely unconstitutional. And when it comes to the way presidents, ingoing, outgoing, whether or not they're sitting or current, interact with each other, all uncharted waters where we're at right now. Uncharted waters? I love that account. <laughs> uncharted territory? Both. Take it up to the next level, though, and... and trying to have Donald Trump do a perp walk or criminally indicting him for something uh, that we know is probably not true. Listen, we, we saw the guys who, who received a mistrial in the Fed napping case one in Michigan today. The verdict came in. They, were, they found a judge that, were gonna, that was going to find them guilty on all charges. Mm-hmm. And now they're going to rot in jail because the FBI literally enticed and entrapped them into whatever it is they did like how do you go from everybody's not guilty and or mistrials and or what was no. the other the other way that they got off mistrial hung jury hung jury and actually like not guilty basically mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
How do you go back? Yeah, exactly. Like, well, it's because it's it's a fucking witch hunt, and they were like, "Oh, this isn't playing very well in the media." That all these people got off. Like, we're definitely going to need them to. Yeah. Right, but legally, how that how does that work? It's just crazy. The so. same same way everything else is right now, <laughs> legally. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. since the government wanted to retry them because they didn't like the verdict, do they get to get retried now that they don't like the government's verdict? It's it's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, very scary because that's where we're at. And uh, as we're going to continue to, you know, just report it the way we see it, which, which is absolute fucking clown world, we'll have to just continue to uh, keep an eye on it and give you guys the information the best way we can. Great way to get the week kicked off. A couple big news segments and some of our favorite friends coming in as guests today. If you enjoyed that and want to hear the other 162 Steak for Breakfast podcasts, you can find us across every downloadable platform. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Podata, Google Podcast, FM Player, iHeartRadio, the Patriot Podcast Network on the Roku app, or even on Frank's Beach. Subscribe to the show and rate it, leave a review, and don't forget to download, listen, like, follow, and share Steak for Breakfast content. Show creds. Go to two of our great friends and guests today, Congressman Devin Nunes, former... Big-time investigator up on Capitol Hill, current CEO of TMTG, and then, of course, Mr. Cash Patel. He's the CEO of Fight With Cash, two of the biggest entities out there doing a lot of hard work for you guys. In addition to them, some of our internet friends, Who White Memes, Patriotic Babes Account, Ultra Garbaggio, and Miss Christina Baba Save America. Guys, don't forget to go out and throw some of your hard-earned funds at our great friends and partners, because when you do that, the only thing that happens is you help make small American businesses great again. MyPillow. Whether you're looking for the Airlandell version 2s or a little bit of coffee, Mike's got you all taken care of. You enter promo code STAKE at checkout, you get big, big savings on everything else they got going on down there at MyPillow. MyPillow.com forward slash steak is the website for MyPillow-related products, anything coffee-related, MyStore.com forward slash steak. Or you can talk to a qualified pillow representative, 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear and everything audio related can be found at Odyssey. They are one investment. If you're into podcasting, recording music, doing anything like that, that I promise you, you won't regret. Odyssey.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Stay ready, gear holsters. What do we got this week? You could always do a little crying Chuck Todd line about uh, how everybody in the country is unhappy and the economy is tanking, but it's only because of domestic violent extremism Got it. they'll throw him stand him in front of a uh, fake graphic and put it on a conceal carry codex holster and get those orders out faster than ever before saveredygear.com is the website you can find them on facebook and instagram too man rubs noah you can surely attest that i brought you some man rubbed pork butt oh i can't wait it's in here somewhere because i bought it shook it sprinkled it rubbed it went in the slow cooker or as i like to say apparatus of my choice six and a half hours later i pulled it drizzled it in barbecue sauce ate it throw the leftovers in a tupperware and brought it over to no one num 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 mike down at west coast survival arms has a pretty simple equation for all your gun related needs firearms parts accessories and ammo the newly redesigned easy to use website is westcoastsurvivalarms.com he's on facebook messenger and via the telephone 619-870-6992 mediocre medic for all our first responders you're gonna like all the gear they've got going on down there and you're gonna love their instagram a little bit more MediocreMedic.com is the website. And last but certainly not least, the home of the Zero Fuck Stuck, dumpbox.us. Don't know? 
Go ask Mark Joe Friday. You can find him on Facebook and Instagram. Upcoming shows. We've got a pretty big one lined up for Friday. We're going to have, let's see, who's coming in here? Well, Geisha Montez will be in to do the news. Fun. One of Stephen Miller's top understudies, former Trump administration official Theo Wold, Amanda Milius, recommended, will be joining us for the first time, as will Connecticut Republican senatorial nominee Leora Levy. And we've got a little bit of a uh, influencer piece, content creator. She's one of the uh, youngest content creators for Turning Point USA. She reached out online. Let's saw her do a couple news pieces on Fox News. I think it's going to be interesting to hear some of the stuff she's got going on as she may, tries to make an appeal to young and new conservatives. Kelly Anna Brooking will be joining us as well. We'll come right back on Tuesday with a banger. Kelly, Coopy's gonna, Kelly Cooper will be here. Arizona 2 Republican nominee, America First, to talk about his big win there. Not too long ago, in addition to him, Norbin Laden, Raw Egg Nationalist, talking their new book. Should be great. On the 6th of September, Liz Harrington will be in. We'll be able to get her full commentary on the Trump rally from September 3rd. In addition to that, we'll talk to one of the people who actually was there and probably spoke at the event. Pennsylvania Republican nominee, House seat, Pennsylvania 8, Jim Bognan will be here. And on the 9th of September, we've got Christina Bob. In addition to that, Cash will be back next month, talking to Rick Grinnell, talking to Matt Whitaker, Alina Habba, Donald Trump's attorney, just going through the finalization of a date with her, former Secretary of Defense, Chris Miller, Blake Masters, Vish Burra, and Julie Kelly, all slated to be joining us in September. So it's going to be a hot, hot month. Probably so hot you hit the damn button. Don't know if it's going to happen, though. Damn, boy, he's thick. Boy, that's a (laughs) thick-ass boy. Damn. Friends of the week, get it started with uh, everyone who keeps our comment section rolling. Yep. Our true social Twitch streamers, Beastie Man 420, American Nintendo, CSM Masters, Siberian Kitty, and the American Burger Man. Some call me Tim79. Continues to share our post. We'll continue to have him as a friend of the week. Also from True Social, Right Wing Savages 2.0, Real Brenda Memes, Alan Jacoby. He's got a really big reach in the millions on Facebook for his show, The Great Divide Podcast. He shared our Substack. He's up in the millions? Yeah, we're, well, views. Oh. Not friends, but we're currently over 3,500 new subscribers for our last Substack. Nice. Grand old memes, Namrock, Namrock, Most Beef Peaceful, The Real Meme DeLorean, Stolen Valor. C3P Meme, John Hacker LA, Gabriel Savage, Hispanics for DeSantis. We'll just throw the whole rest of the friend zone meme share in there. Guys, things to remember between now and Friday. Number one, do your own research. There was a lot of it you needed today, but if you want to be lazy, you can just listen to Devin Nunez and Cash Patel talk about it for almost an hour on our show. Number two, start a podcast. Noah? Not bad today. You're back in the studio and we're cruising again. No, if only I wasn't catching up from two weeks ago. Mm. Number three, American greatness. We need to start talking about it again. We don't talk about it enough. It's time to start talking about it again. On September 3rd in Scranton, PA, Donald Trump will surely be talking about it. And last but certainly not least, let's see what happens. This has been episode 163 of the Steak for Records podcast. We'll be back on Friday with episode 164. We've got Geisha Montes, Theo Wold, Leora Levy, and Kellyanna Brooking. On behalf of the pod team, I'm Roan. Noah. Later. Antoinette. Hi, friends. Guys, thanks for listening and take care. You know, Sicilians are great liars. Best.
Oh, well. I'm Sicilian. My father was the world heavyweight champion of Sicilian liars. From growing up with him, I learned the pantomime. There are 17 different things a guy can do when he lies to give himself away. Guy's got 17 pantomimes. Woman's got 20. Guy's got 17. But if you know them, like you know your own face, they'd be lie detectors all to hell. Now, what we got here is a little game of show and tell. You don't want to show me nothing, but you tell me everything. I know you know where they are, so tell me. Before I do some damage, you won't walk away from. Could I uh, <clears throat> have one of those chests of fields now? Sure. You got a match? No, oh, no, no, I don't bother. I got one. You're Sicilian, huh? Sicilian. <laughs> you know, I read a lot, especially about things, about history. I find that shit fascinating. Here's a fact, I don't know whether you know or not. 